to you in town at the same time and on the show together. Well, I mean, because you guys had to be together, you know. I like, couldn't just do solo ones. And we're the Bobsy twins. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. No, thanks for having yeah. us. No, absolutely. Glad I've been be looking here. forward to this. Yeah, glad uh, to be here. Yeah, no. <laughs> Doesn't we, take much when you offer some really good bourbon and cigars. Yeah, you offer a, a few cigars. And you <laughs> offer a little bit we're, of bourbon. We're pretty easy and, once, yeah. once that came up. Yeah. Well, you guys are like cigar connoisseurs, so like, I mean... You're you're up there, like you guys give me shit, but like Mario especially, like you're like super cigar aficionado over here. I'm not I'm not George Burns yet, but I'm not I'm, yet. I'm, I'm getting close. You're working on it. <laughs> and don't even say I'm as old as George Burns because that's not even close. <laughs> yeah, we're we're already starting there. Uh-huh. I see. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew it was gonna get there pretty quick tonight. I mean, because the three of us in a room together, there's gonna be a lot of shit talking. So. <laughs> Y'all, y'all are forewarned right now. Like this is gonna go back. We've known each other for like what, 15 years now. So it's been yeah. a minute. It's been a yeah. minute. No I doubt. mean, I'm happy to have another OU guy on here. You know, I've Boomer. had a lot of Longhorns on here, and I've I've had an OU streak going, which will come to an end real soon. But I wouldn't recommend it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I appreciate you bringing the smoke wagon. I said it's an Oklahoma smoke show. Yeah. Kind of night. So I appreciate that. Yeah. You I, know, you know what us Okies uh, enjoy. And, yeah, uh, you can't go wrong pairing smoke wagon with cigars. I mean, like, it's just good. I actually hadn't had this ride, so you guys always ask, what are we smoking, what are we drinking? Well, tonight it's all smoke wagon, so that's out of Nevada. This stuff is super hard to get at times, especially the uncut, unfiltered, which oh, we got here. That's what good. they're drinking. I had to try the rye because I hadn't had it yet. Uh, this is a straight rye, malted rye. Um, it's batch nine from January 15th, 2023. Um, it's really damn good. Uh, although I just had a really good ride the other day. My buddies in the locals just did two picks with, uh, still, uh, not still Austin, six, six street down in mm. Austin. Mm. And they got some like 11 year old ish MGP rye. Holy shit. Good. It was good. Wow. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Smoking wise. Since these guys are such aficionados here, I had to start them off with the Alfonso Anejo number threes because I don't think either of them had had that yet. No, nope, sir. First one. Um, that's a very top-of-the-line premier cigar. You can get it here at Industrial Cigars. Highly, highly recommend them. Treat yourself to one if you haven't done it. Um, they just got these La Polinas Pal- in. Um, this is a newer one. They're called the Goldies. It's a series of three different sizes. Um, this one apparently is the oldest. They each got one of those two. I think they're saving those. I don't blame <laughs> them. Um, this is like early 2000s tobacco. Um, super smooth, really good draw, really great roll. I don't know who actually makes them or you know who's behind this but they're phenomenal so i look forward to smoking that one on the patio yeah yeah it's a really good smoke i've smoked the larger gauge one um they're all lanceros but like larger gauge ones um i smoked that one a couple days ago it was phenomenal like super good burn really good smoke well, uh, I think you guys will like those. Great choice, Garrett. Great yeah. choice. We, wow. appreci- we appreciate the gifts. There's no doubt to get us here. 
Uh, you didn't have to go this top of the line for me. I am from Oklahoma. I mean, you made me get you a Manny and Petty and send you to the spa and everything else. I mean, I was surprised you didn't ask for a makeup artist or something. Uh, I thought I thought I thought I was getting a makeup artist. That's why I showed up uh. early. But uh, appreciate the non makeup. I tried. I tried out there. Yeah. So hopefully I'm looking good. Uh, I'm being not as red as normal. Probably so. We'll We're get drinking there. the smoke wagon. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the Cherokee stuff flowing here in a little bit. Good. Well, for those of you that keep asking, you guys have been super in interested in me having industry people on. I can't think of two better ones that are uh, more on the supplier side. I don't think I've really done that yet. So um, I've been super anxious to get both of these guys on here. Like I said, we go back. These guys are both really big-time industry leaders, at least in my book. They've been around for a really long time. No old jokes aside, it's very rare. Both of them have been with Bear for over 20 years apiece, right? Yes, sir. Like you're what now? This is my 22nd year. 22nd year, and you're what? Monday will be 25. 25 oh, happy years. Happy anniversary, Mario. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Couldn't have come in a better time. <laughs> I mean, how you. many people know somebody that's been with a single company for 20-plus years? I mean, like. It's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. I mean, I'm coming up on 15 at Element. That's so, pretty I mean, good. Like, but you just don't hear that a lot. I mean, we joke about how big the industry is, but how small it is. And Absolutely. a lot of people may stay in multifamily, but they, they move around. You guys have both come up in Bear and maintained there. Tell us, uh, whichever one of you wants to start first, maybe you, Mario, since you've got the longest tenure there. Yeah. Uh, how did your Bear journey start with Bear Paint? Yeah, yeah. Um, so as probably everybody knows, we distribute our product through a pretty big retailer, a big box store. I used to work for that big box and uh, uh, became pretty good buddies with the rep um, at that big box and left, left the big box, got into sales and uh, met my wife at the big box, believe it or not. And, you know, she thought she was my boss back then and she still acts like she's my boss <laughs> she's your boss now i believe it that was part of our scheduling conflicts we had to get the boss to sign off yeah. we all have ceos at home mm -hmm. and, uh, you know i thought i was gonna go pursue some other interests outside the industry and uh reconnected uh i was actually selling alarm systems and uh ended up selling my the my rep his girlfriend at the time an alarm system and he goes, hey, why don't you just come work for Bear? And I was like, no, I'm, really, I'm having a lot of fun with what I'm doing. And he, you know, kind of went out for, for drinks one night, and that was it. So ended up coming back. So it's been, uh, it's been a ride. What did you start out doing with Bear? I was a, an inside sales rep, kind of repping stores. Yeah. Um, you know, did that for a few years. Uh, started off uh, where the corporate office is based in Southern California. Then I moved to Vegas. They asked me to open up some stores. I moved to Vegas and spent about four years in Vegas. And back then, it was interesting because everything in Vegas was open 24 hours. I used to go rep even in the middle of the night. And man, you'd find some pretty interesting customers. Is that what you told the boss, or is that, <laughs> that real thing? No, believe it or not, that only thing—the only thing that—the only thing that kept me sane in Vegas was working all the time. And the fact that the stores were open day and night. I could work as long as I could. So, and back then we you we had, had to. to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and then I got promoted out of Vegas. Uh, took a regional sales manager job from Vegas, and then ultimately moving to Arizona. Um, 
which uh, spent about four years there. And after that, uh, the same boss asked me to, to come to Texas. At first, I told him no, just because I'd already uplifted my family. I had just started a family, had a new baby, kind of wanted to settle in and kind of create some roots and uh, visited Texas. I'd never been to Texas and just absolutely fell in love with Texas. So Texas is definitely where my kids, what they call home and what I hope to call home for probably the rest of my life. So it's just been awesome here. Awesome. And what's your current role? With so I, I do uh, I do national accounts, uh, kind of call on, uh, help create some strategy. Uh, you know, we pick a segment that we really focus on, obviously the industry we're in and multifamily. Yep. And uh, uh, call on some of the larger uh, operator companies that manage large portfolios and kind of uh, have diversified a little bit, starting to call on with the housing demand, starting to call on uh, developers and builders, kind of connect it all yeah. together. So awesome. it's been a ride, been a great ride. I wouldn't have met you if I didn't True. get into multifamily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We have a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, Mario, uh, Mario, we call him the, uh, the grandfather of multifamily. Those of you that don't know uh, that uh, Mario is younger than I am. So for me to call him grandfather, uh, that, that's <clears throat> fantastic. So it's a compliment. I love it. No, no, <laughs> absolutely. You. Taught me a lot. Grandfather, uh, I don't know if you can make those jokes anymore, man. You got. Yeah, I'm going to be a papa. You're going to be a papa. Papa or peepa or I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm going to let the you kid make. No, 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 no. The, the wife and I have trying to figure out our name. And, you know, I don't know. We find out pretty soon what what my son is, uh, what they're going to have here. They're going to find out. That's, yeah. you know, the, the gender reveal. That's the thing now, right? Some people want to find out. Some people don't. So the cat's out of the bag. Uh, so I can talk about it. But, yes, I'm going to be... Uh, be a, a grandfather or G daddy. I don't know. I got I got a flat bill cap. Why can't I be G daddy? You know, I maybe hey, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what, what, what's Tasha's vote so far? Because we know that's where it's going to start. Know, and stop. Yeah, yeah. She 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 wanted to veer away from Paw Paw, and she didn't want to be Mima. No, no, no <laughs> That's where that goes. Yeah, no Mima. I'm kind of going pops. You know, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But. Um, yeah, 20, this will be my 22nd year with Bear. And like Mario, I started with that big box piece, calling on those big box stores uh, for about nine years. And it was a lot of growing at that time. So they, when I got hired on, I was already selling to that big box, uh, selling generators and uh, pressure washers back in 1999. So generators were a thing. Y2K, <gasps> right baby. Oh, what you going to say? No, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> right after you were born or graduated? What, what, what was it? Graduated high school. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> well, I, I, I look like I just That was 98, I, but, yeah. 99, I look like I graduated high school. It's Let's true. Let's just put it that way. So, uh, thanks, Mom, for that. Yeah. <laughs> All my genes come from uh, my mama. So, um, and not the bedazzled ones. I know it was coming. So, I look, look, I don't have them on. I know. It's all regular old Wranglers. <laughs> Uh, you didn't go full Luke Bryant no, on no, us today. No, no, no. So uh, about nine years with that, and a lot of people don't know that Bear didn't have what we call an outside or commercial sales team. And uh, Mario was the start of that when he came to Texas. So I jumped on that team as soon as I could. Um, 
as an outside sales rep. So that's where I would call on, you know, clients like yourself uh, yeah. and out there in the industry, all the management and ownership groups. So that was, it was a good time. It's where I got all this gray hair. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you, man. My beard's getting grayer by the day. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm Santa Claus for sure. If I grew it out, which I did, uh, my wife hated it, you know, CEO. So I keep it nice and tight. Uh, little come fuzz. Come on, Tosh. Yeah, come on. But uh, I thought it looked good. We want to see him look like Whiskey Myers. I, no, I, I did look like Kenny Rogers, I think. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It was a good look. I thought it was a good look. We had a competition to grow a beard, and I got second place. So, Gensler, you know you got third. Oh. oh yeah, for you that's listening. <laughs> Too bad Gensler's traveling. Yeah, he wanted a hotline to call I, in on. I, like it, that was it, gonna get real interesting it, it, real it, quickly. It didn't. Yeah, no hotline. Thank God. We I mean, I'm it. waiting to see if my phone lights up. Yeah, I, yeah. If Gensler calls, I, I might actually no, take no, it. No, no, we don't. We don't. Phone. We don't know. We don't need. We don't need. A that hotline. would be a first. We haven't done that on the show yet, <laughs> no, but no. I'd consider. It. Actually, we did do that once. We did take a call. Like, I can't say we haven't ever done that. Really? We haven't tied what? it in yet. Like, I don't know how to, like, tie it into the board and all that stuff. But, yeah, that would be. Well, you can work on that. We'll That's work goals. On that. Yeah. Goals. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, long story short, uh, did that for a little while, uh, about six years. And then now I'm the regional sales manager. So, I've got a team of folks like I used to be and, and cover state of Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and now we've grown so much that I only have to cover Fort Worth and Austin. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. Uh, you know, what you said is so true. Um, not a lot of people have been in their one job for over 15, 15 years is great, 20 years. You know, I, when I first started with Bear, and I saw, you know, at our our award show and people been there 20 years, 30 years, you know, I was like, I want to be that guy one day, Yeah. you know, just, I want to be somewhere where I belong. And, and our culture is really, really good. Our company's great. You know, uh, a lot of people leave and wish they hadn't. Yeah. So uh, true. I think when, when it comes to common sense, you know, I kind of, I kind of said, Hey man, are you going to talk about common sense to me? Staying with a company that treats you right. It's common sense. Yeah. To me. That's common yeah. sense. So, um, you, everything you guys have done has always been top notch. Like, I mean, I'll never forget early on when I got to go do the bear experience in California. I mean, I don't even know if you guys still do that, but like, that was so badass. Like, you guys treat everybody like royalty. I mean, I, I mean, it wasn't just a bunch of sales guys there either. I mean, there was painters, owners of paint companies. There was management guys there. There was GC guys there, owners and sales guys. Like that, that was a trip I'll never forget. Like that, that was just an amazing trip and like learning all the intricacies of what you guys do that differentiates you from the industry. Really cool. Very well done. Yeah, we still do that trip. We're getting ready to do another, and we've had some. Uh, we've had some great times out there, right, Mario? Yeah, Mario's you, gotten yeah, to go to a lot more than I have, but. You, you, I think that was the one where uh, you remember the sandcastle that was in the middle of the lobby. No. Oh, that was uh, that was somewhat restructured. The big one re I remember. Renovated. I remember Randy betting a Hyundai. <laughs> yeah, some guy from Boston. When I said I'll bet a Hyundai. Yeah. That they don't make the Super Bowl, which they didn't. He was convinced that you bet him a Hyundai. He thought I bet him a car, and I said I bet him a Hyundai. He didn't know what a Hyundai was. I. I asked, remember I asked the room. <laughs> that's a most, southern, most, yeah. well, most that's people a southern knew, thing. Uh, most people knew what a hundred was. 
But this guy from Boston didn't know what. Oh I, man, that, he thought that it was, was a Hyundai. Pure greatness out of nowhere. So I should I should have received a car. Yeah, I think they I didn't, mean, he owes you a Hyundai. It. No, they didn't make it. They didn't make it that year. So no, that was a, that was a great trip, and and I was glad to be alongside you, and we got to play Pelican Hill. Pelican Hill while was we were awesome. Out there. That was All right. great. Uh, it, it was good good experience. So well, I mean, are, I think the cool things too was seeing some of the stuff that you guys like behind the scenes show like. At the time, I didn't know, like, when you guys get a bear, you know, we get asked to, on, on my GC side, we get asked to, like, help with colors sometimes on paint jobs and stuff. Like, knowing that, like, it's called a fan deck when they give you the big fan deck of cards that has all the colors on it. I think you guys are still the only ones that actually put paint on your fan deck. Like, what you're seeing is that actual color in paint, like, it's not printed. It's not. I mean, I guess it is kind of printed, but it's eh. printed with paint. Yeah. So that you know, just little things like that was super cool to learn. I mean, you guys really empower people to help them sell your product. You know, which is which is really cool because the paint industry is super hard. It's tough. Um, I've always joked if I ever went anywhere else, I would probably be selling paint. Like you know, like that's. To me, like, I feel like that would be, like, my next option. But it's it's such a hard job. And, like, there's so many people that have input on paint when it comes to making a paint decision. Uh. That getting to the right person or dealing with that. What has been, what has worked best for you guys on that? Because that's always the biggest thing. Like, once you get the job, it's... How many samples do we have to put up? How are we going to get, how many renderings do we have to do? How do we get them to the color combo that they want? Yeah, that's a, I'll, what, I'll let what is What does uh, 20 plus years say on this? I'm oh super goodness. interested to hear. Well, well, first of all, color, it's all about color, right? Color is very emotional um, and it can be very subjective, right? Yeah. The color you may like may not be the person that's another stakeholder making a decision on color may not they may not see it the same way so yeah. it's really a combination of trying to find the right fit based on what you know what the inspiration is on what they're what they're doing right i mean guys, yeah. we've had if you don't know what the vision is for that asset or that property you know you want to you it's all about curb appeal right yeah and, you know we're dealing with uh, you know assets where people live they call home and you know, most of these operators or owners, they, they, they want to make sure that, hey, there's, if there's a block or a row of these of apartments or communities, uh, you know, which one looks like it's the best maintained and, you know, the aesthetics piece of it is so important. But I would say color, color is a huge portion of that. And I'll tell you one tougher. I've got two clients that are the decision makers. They're both colorblind. <laughs> oh, I am too. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Thank God, anyway. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we don't want to. Uh, I mean, I joke about that, but I mean, I legit have two of my good clients are, are legit colorblind. Like, they, re, I mean, they have designers they have to work yeah. with, and like that's where they pull it in. Be, but they, they legit are colorblind. I, I forget it at times because I'll be asking him. He's like, "Really, you asshole! Like, you know, I can't tell what color yeah. that is." I was like, "Well, it looks right, right? But you didn't see holidays or anything, so you're good, perfect, right? Perfect customer. Yeah, you, perfect. You'd be surprised. People that make a profession out of picking color, like designers, you'd be shocked how much math is involved in color. Yeah. Every color has a value. What they call RGB, which is most colors are made from red, 
green and blue, believe it or not. RGB. Yeah. Yep. And Did you know that? Those, those combinations. RGB. Yeah, RGBs and uh, the combinations. Dropping knowledge. You know, so probably sharing a little too much, right? I think, <laughs> think I got. No, we're not there yet. <laughs> no, we're way, not but, there uh, yet, Mario. It's uh, only been twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this I'm only, is I'm only on my first bourbon, yeah. so. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just subjective, right? Uh, very color is very subjective, um, and you know if you have an idea of what you want, and it's emotional, you know. That's yeah. why if you. You look at our school systems, a lot of times colors pick based on the emotion it draws. Um, you know, they say certain colors are more apt to better learning environments. And, you know, these are all things that we're learning going, wow. It's uh, a lot pretty to deep, it. Very deep. And the other thing, you know, it's the cheapest thing to improve something. Yeah. But the is. first thing somebody sees. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very difficult, whether it's the application, the color, there's, there's, there's so many things that. Let's try the rye this time. Yeah, let's try that yes. rye. But um, that's that's the thing is is a lot of people think paint is paint, color is color. But Mario hit it on. It's it's all emotional. It's all <laughs> when you're talking about. It's the first thing that first thing that you see uh, when you walk in anywhere. Yeah. You know what's what hits your how you feel about it. Yeah, it sets the tone. It sets 100%. the mood. Like you know. There's so much that goes into that. Let's let's dive down that a little bit. We'll we'll start this off hot right out the gate, Woo. because that, as you guys know, I mean, I'll get your opinion on this. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get murdered online for this. Like I already know I'm gonna get murdered for this. But the, <laughs> how do you guys feel about national contracts? You're a national contract director. I feel like it's stacked against you guys a lot in the industry, and I'll, I'll say this, and this is just, this is my personal opinion, this is not necessarily their opinion on what I'm about to say, but I have a lot of friends in this industry that are all paint reps, guys. Like, they, they represent, I'm gonna say the three biggest, because like, I really, I deal with three of you guys that, and, and I, I like all these guys. Like, I, you know, I, I'm not bad talking anybody here, but I mean, I like. I wish I could give all three a fair shake at earning someone's business. That's always my goal. I've always maintained with any of my paint reps. If you give me a lead, I will never invite another painter to bid that for you. That's your client. I, I'll never break that boundary, and you know I would expect the same. You know, like to the degree that you guys can. You know, you like that's. We all know there's typically in our industry three bids on everything. You know, if you're throwing me the game, just know I'm never, I'm not going to induce somebody, invite somebody to the party that, you know, when you gave me that lead. But I always get frustrated because, and, and just being honest, like, there's really two of you, in my opinion, that, like, really dominate the industry. You guys have the big box name. Um, and as amazing as that is, that doesn't help you guys tremendously in our industry. Like, even though you have the biggest box name partnered with you, it doesn't, it, it, like, that's not really, like, an upper hand. Like, it's not, like, you would think that'd be, like, an ace. You could, like, pull out your sleeve and be like, bam, though that's distribution. That's, hey, you walk right down the street, you can get this. In our industry, it really doesn't make that much difference. Like, I get so tired of hearing with these guys, like, I have a national contract with so-and-so. And, -so, and I'm, to me, how about you let 
because I'm not saying there's not a difference in paint, but if you put if you put the same spec on it, that it has to be this grade of paint or its equivalent, then then you're leveling the playing field. And That's if right. you do that, why would you not be more open to who wants your business that bad? Because I see it because as a GC, I call and get three bids too. You know, I mean, I'll call my three best painters and say, hey, all three of you, I need a bid on this property, X, Y, Z. I would love to be able to give that equal opportunity to my paint suppliers, but I can't 90% of the time because of these national contracts, which is funny because when I am allowed to do it, when the gallon counts line up and they're not far off from each other, the paint spec is the same. We're all been the same equivalent of paint when it comes down to the raw nuts and bolts of it, so right. to speak. Yep. There isn't much difference. But I will tell you from my side, these paint bids can vary five grand. They can vary, they can vary 20 grand on paint materials alone. And it's the same gallon counts. It's the same thing. It's like, who wants business more? But these national contracts are made on like, you probably know more about this than I do because that's your forte, so to speak, and that's what you work on. But I imagine the majority of these national contracts are 1% maybe, or maybe, you know, around that, maybe a half a percent. If you're saving a half a percent on a, let's just say, a $100,000 paint job, but, and you did 10 of those in a year, so you spent a million dollars in paint, and you're getting back, you know, five grand, maybe 10 grand in rebates, but I could have saved you 10, 20 grand on every one of those Job. paint jobs. Yeah. Like, where do you think that lies so hard? Why is that pool so hard that owners, as much as they are, and I know this is kind of a long-winded question to get here, but owners are so, yeah, what are you, Bob especially Stern? right now, they're so dollar conscious right now. Like yeah. everything, like lowest bid wins right now. In this market, right now. it is cutthroat. Like yeah. lowest bid wins. So why do you think it is that like they stick to these national contracts, which really don't matter. I mean, it's like a non-compete really. Like it really doesn't hold up to a pile of beans other than like somebody's getting a check at the end of the year, which really they would have saved five, 10, 15 times that over the year if they let it be like a real free market on that. Go ahead, Mario. Well, I think you, <laughs> your last word kind of sums it up. I think yeah. it's, uh, I think if most people knew, I think what the idea behind the national contract is really a program, right? The mm -hmm. goal is, hey, we want to drive certain compliance and standards. So the idea is right. Right. The challenge with the idea, though, is when you don't let free enterprise kind of take its work its way through the process, if you take people out of the bid process, you kind of end up paying more yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I'm a fan of always telling most of our clients, look, you, you should have more than one option. I think we all learned just last year when we had all these supply chain issues that having multiple options is not a bad idea. And, no. it, and it tends to neutralize pricing because we're bidding it, you're bidding it. Obviously you have to submit bids against your competitor. Mm -hmm. If I, if, if the manufacturer supplier is not submitting a bid against another uh, competitor or a manufacturer, that competition is not there. And sometimes 
I think a lot of times that that hurts most people more than than it helps. Than it helps. You know, the compliance and the programs they're great. I think what they were originally intended to do uh, to drive standards, and you know, we're in a very relationship, you know, business, right? This is not transactional, yes. very relationship based. So, I think for us. You know, we're kind of the new kids, new kids, right? We're kind of the new kids coming into the industry. We're even though we're a seventy-five-year-old company, we've only been in this space for about 10, 10 years, give or take, yeah. over ten years. So coming in as the new competitor, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's just change management. It's making that change and getting this, getting folks to see that hey, we have an option. What is the value? What is the value of having options, right? But you said it. You said it. It's all about free enterprise. If competition's not yeah. there, how do you neutralize best value? So, how do you guys look at that from a sales from a sales tech? Because both of you deal directly with sales. Yep. As yep. as as I do. So, what advice would you give to a salesperson that's trying to like work that space and do that? Because we all know the biggest thing you just <clears throat> said: it relationship. Yeah. Really, it comes one. down to that relationship at the end. But like. When you get that kind of kickback, what kind of lessons have you guys learned over your careers of where where you try to push, where you pull on on that fine line there? Because you know, I can I can I can say all my painters would rather paint with X paint, or you know, this goes faster, the supplies faster. Some of those things don't matter because at the end of the day. Majority of it still comes down to the relationship. You bet. Either the relationship the contractor has with owner management or sometimes it's, you know, a lot of times in the paint world, it's strictly driven by the relationship you guys have yeah. with, with the clients. So how, how do you guys approach that? How do you coach your sales teams or your guys that are under you? I, I know, Randy, you have several guys that report to you. Yep. How, how, how do you look at that? Man, it's, uh, it's tough. Like Mario said, we're the new kids. Mm. So you, you talk about the R word, the relationship word, that's been going on for years. Yeah. With our competitors. Doesn't happen overnight. So, you know, I remember our first trade show, Mario. <laughs> Nobody, we set up and they were like, what the hell are they doing here? And we didn't really <laughs> talk to a whole lot. Nobody came up to us. We yeah. had to, uh, and we're aggressive. We're an aggressive company. We have been, we've been, you know, our culture is, hey, we're going to go take it yeah. because we know we're good. That's, that's our culture. Yeah. So uh, knowing what we came into that first year of being at a, a trade show and, and, man, feeling like the geeky kid in the corner at high school, we were at the lunch table by ourselves. Um, the it mayor takes, has entered the room, just so you guys know. Uh, the, 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 the mayor is now commenting. I knew he was going to tune in at some point. Bobby, Bobby D? Nope, nope, nope. Hi, me. Oh, no, the, 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 the real the, mayor. The real mayor. <laughs> I only, we, call, we call Bob Duff the mayor uh, because of his jacket. He's got a couple of nicknames. So, Bobby D, I'll give you a shout out. But, hi, me. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he, he was on the other side, and we brought him over to uh, what yeah. we call the good side. Uh, but we got a lot of, I mean, we had we had uphill battle. Mm -hmm. But again, it's about doing the right thing. When you talk about, I love your show, it's common sense, doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, that's what we try to do on a daily basis. And once people know that we're in it 
for you. Yeah. We're here to help. Nobody rings our register. It goes yeah. through the big box. We're here to help. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I used to be one of those guys that I hate. I hated saying I was in sales because I felt a little sleazy, right? Really? So, oh, yeah. Sales? I mean, who wants to talk to a salesman? You're fast talking, right? Nobody, under, nobody is going to believe a word you say anyway. But I think uh, when, you're a, when you're a sales guy, when I, I kind of put it as I help people buy bare paint through the big box. That's what I do. Yeah. Once I get that through my skull and get that out to the customer so they understand the relationship I'm trying to build, yeah. it's sustainability, repeatability, uh, those, those type things. So going up against these large national accounts is tough. That's what Mario does. Yeah. Um, and we've really been doing that for what six eight years yeah. i mean really you've been doing it hardcore for a while yeah so it's it, we're up against it yeah no doubt but we're we're the scrappy kid in the corner that will fight our way out but we're fighting our way out with good intentions meaning so what do you think some of the common sense things of that like what what like drives you nuts about that but like you think that you would think is common sense about that but it maybe isn't maybe it's a lesson you learned that you know, in going through those battles, like what, what, what do you think we, is? We learned a lot, didn't we, Mario, at the beginning. Um, I, I think uh, when you're the new player in a space, right, you have to, I'm not a marketing person, I just, right. full disclosure, but you, you gotta come up with a, how are you gonna go to market with your product and service, right? If, yeah. if you have other very- No matter what you do. Whatever, yeah. What, yeah. if you have other very mature businesses you're going up against and they have their legacy ways of going to market you have to find new value. And one of the things we identified early was something as simple as walking the jobs with your partners, your contractors, give, give them another set of eyes. You know, we, we, we kind of took that as an opportunity going, look, there's a value point here that if we just focus on this, it, it, would, it would help us because in the very beginning, price point wise, we were kind of at a Wait. disadvantage. Oh, and, we weren't and, even close. And when you look at it 12 years ago or so, uh, there was a huge gap in price point. But once, once we started understanding the value, especially in your case, it wasn't so much the pricing of the product. It was what kind of value am I going to get? I got somebody walking the job, putting another set of eyes, giving me an idea on what they think it's going to take to do this project so I can narrow in my cost. Um, and we kind of just focused on that. We saw that there was a need for that, and uh, it yeah. kind of helped us go to market, you know, with a much better product. And 12 years later, we're competing with that same level quality product now, we are. whereas before. So we feel that the industry has upped the quality of the product right. for what you guys do. So the end yeah. user yeah. is winning. And, 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 and your wanted. customer gets value yeah. out of that because you're giving him an upgrade, essentially, at no charge. Yeah. I mean, I remember that from when you guys first started and when you guys first came to my office. I, I mean, I remember sitting down with you guys and I remember you guys walking jobs and you guys had these spreadsheets. Like, you would be like to the like elevation, how much paint at what mill needs to go on here. Like, I mean, it was impressive, but like, that was kind of, to me, it, it put out too much information. Some for people, a while there, you know, like at some point, like that went over a lot of people's heads. But like one thing you talked about of adding value, um, I've gone to war over this because like I don't ask my estimators 
to go and figure out how much paint needs to go on a building. And there's been some kickback on that in the industry over the last year where I have two reps that are like, yeah, absolutely, take care of that. I have one rep that's like, that ain't my job. That ain't what I do. And I'm like, really? You're selling a product and a service. Like, your product is paint. Your service is I'm going to make sure you have the paint, you have the right tools, you know how to apply it, you're applying it correctly. Uh, you're going to be able to, I'm going to be able to stand behind the material warranty that you're giving your customer here that when they do that. So I think you guys bringing that up and leaning on that, you know, you're the expert in my opinion, you know, like that's why I have a rep. That's why I call you. I, I, please have my rep go out and take a look at this, like evaluate this for me. What issues are you seeing that my guys aren't seeing because they right. are not paint experts? Like, yeah, we understand substrates and everything else and how to do it. But like, you know, I, I can I can think of several jobs off the top of my head where it was like one of your reps went out and was like, I'm not touching this with a 10 foot pole. Like, the, like you're putting lipstick on a pig here. And if we're doing that, then like this spec is wrong. Like, don't put a, you know, they want to put this super high in paint on it to cover it up. But like, really that's going to exasperate the problems that they're having because that paint has too much bite like you need a cheaper lower grade pipe like you guys have educated me so much on this over the years you and and multiple reps but i mean like that that to me is like where i think you guys really turned a corner in pushing that to the market of of, of showing that without without spreadsheeting it to death and, and, and going down that road. I think that's been huge. And I think having people like yourself that are going out there and really talking to these higher end individuals in our business, the ownerships, the top of the management companies, and, and trying to get yourself a fair shake where there is more free enterprise, like I'm all for it. Cause like I said, I, I, would al I always would love you know, I, I laugh at some of my clients when they're like, well, we got to get three bids. Like, do you really realize, like, if you got three bids, you're really getting nine. Right. Because every single one of us that's a GC that bid this Different. project, we all called three of our best guys to get a number and see who really wanted this work the most, who really wanted to do what. And the even funnier part is, I guarantee if you took all nine of those bids within the three GCs that bid it, seven of those nine are the same guys. Yeah. Like, it, it really, I mean, like, we all pull from the same pool of guys. There's only like, so much talent There's only there. so many guys that know how to do X, Y, Z in the construction industry. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's... Any, I think it's universal. Uh, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, you get what you pay for, and it's up to the customer, the end user, to understand what are they getting from you, right? Yeah. What, what is the value? Um, you know, we kind of stumbled across this. We were coming into the industry at a perfect time because because bids got so competitive that it came down to, like, I'm just going to go with the lowest bid, not just labor but material, uh, yeah. Both of those that meet together, I'm going to go with that. And we started finding out there's a need because some of these owners, even though their exit strategies are pretty short, they were starting to complain that their assets after a year and a half, because, you know, we all lived through changes and trends. 
colors change, right? Mm-hmm. You start you start going. Uh, gosh, when we got in, colors started shifting from earth tones to really vibrant, popping colors. Crazy colors. And that called for a need for a product, a product. that performed a little better. Yeah, because a lot of those colors don't perform well in yeah. our climate. Like they don't no. last long. They don't hold so, up with those pigments. So most owners were complaining to us that I'm having to paint this every three to four years. I want it to last. My exit strategy is five and a half, seven years. I need something that stays intact for that period of time. And, uh, you know, lucky for us, we're a premium manufacturer. So we, we just happened to present the right product at the right time. It just, we had to get over that initial price, price. gap. But yep. it's like anything else. When you compare an apple to an orange, you have to, you have to find the gap. What's the difference? Yeah. What is the, you know, what is the higher price product offer me? And when we started reviewing, not to bring up spreadsheets, but yeah. where the spreadsheets come in is uh, we started looking at jobs we finished and we started analyzing, well, you're within the delta of what you were used to bidding with a lower grade product. And when they found that out, they were like, wow, maybe I am saving a little bit more time and I'm giving my client a better product. And it just turned into what we, what we, what we call today, our, that's our value proposition. We're going to give you the same. We're going to give you a better product for the same price. Really, yeah. is what it comes down so that's to. That's the breakdown. And you know, it, it, but it, again, it's universal. You get what you pay for. You pay a little bit more for a product, you should get something more out of that. In our industry, yeah, it refers to life cycles of a building. Right, the longer, yeah. the better the product you put on, the longer it should last and protect and beautify your your asset which is a investment yeah. it's a huge investment yeah right where, so. where do you guys where do you guys work on training with your sales guys and stuff on that you know i work with my estimators a lot on you know really knowing what the client's wanting what what are they truly wanting to do with this property are we are we trying to buy huge. three years are we trying to buy five years are we doing this because sometimes what they're saying they want is different than what they really want. You Absolutely. know what you I mean? Find like, that out. How, how do you guys coach your guys on that? Because I'm always looking at ways to coach my guys on that. You know, even teaching guys, because we hire a lot of guys from the insurance side when it comes to estimating mm-hmm. and teaching them the difference between an A property, a B property, and a C property. And that's just the greater level of property for those of you that don't know. It's like, this is a C, C asset. Like, yeah. you know, like we're... We're, no, we're more worried about, you know, just maintaining it where it's at. We want to do the minimal amount of repairs that we want. We don't really want to make we're it a beam. Driving we up rents. Make, you know, we're going to drive up the rents and we're going to turn, turn and burn this thing. A B property is like in between that. It's, all right, we don't want to fix every little thing on here, but we want to take it up another notch. We want to make this a little more appealing, whether that's, through amenities or paint or however you want to do it. And then your A property is obviously like your higher end stuff that like they're charging the premium rents. They want the best of the best. But how do you teach your guys to navigate and how do you guys look at navigating that? Because sometimes they might say, I want, you know, an Elastomeric on here. Or maybe they won't say an Elastomeric. Maybe Elastomeric is what everything's telling you that property needs because of their plan on holding it and how long they want it to last. But they're wanting a, a lesser grade price point. Like, so where are you guys, na- how are you guys navigating that? So I'll start with answering 
you know, we got to define. So the client that we typically deal with is a real estate professional, right? Yep. They're not a contractor. They're not, yep. they're not a paint expert per se. And mm -hmm. it goes back to defining that value. One thing I learned really early was they don't really, is if you can define quality and how that equates to financial value to them, a lot of times you speak their language, right? These are investment properties at the end of the day. They want a good finished product, whether it's installed or the product itself, uh, but they don't want to pay a whole lot more. Uh, right. Probably the, the most typical response we get in the industry is, I love your paint. I used <laughs> it to paint my house, yeah. mm. but I won't paint my investment property because you're too, too expensive. expensive. Yep. And when, Absolutely. when we dig into the financial numbers, right, and I'm, I'm just going to throw some vague numbers. Let's say your estimator budgets a job to be Material-wise, $100 a unit. If you give the client the choice between a little better product or, let's say, something that may not last as long, they're always going to choose the better product, but they don't want to pay more for it. And a lot of times we just go, well, you shouldn't have to because when you look at yield, even our competitors, they make really good products. But what we found is they don't always promote those better products because they know it's a harder sell. Well, they're yeah. being, they know it's they're a harder being asked sell. for something. Yeah. The less expensive. Because the person asking yeah. them is a real estate professional, yeah. and when they look at my our, our product or category, they look at it as a commodity. How do you buy like how do you buy gas? Right? There's people that will drive ten miles out of the way to go pay ten cents less per gas. Yeah. You know, so when you buy our product, it's a it's considered a commoditized product, and you almost buy it habitually the same way. Yep. Unless you know you're getting something else out of the product. And uh, for the service, yeah, and it's just uh, it's just educating for them. The life. It's it's getting them to understand that look, it shouldn't cost you anymore if your contractor installs it correctly. It really shouldn't cost you. You should be able to get a better product for about the same price, because if you're dealing with a product right that's let's just say twelve bucks a gallon versus eighteen, the product that's eighteen costs more for a reason. It should get you something more out of that product. Yeah. Whether it's yield, coverage, whatever it is. Um, and we It doesn't matter whether it's paint, whether it's a car, whether it's... I mean, it's you universal. want to talk about common yeah. sense? Yeah. It's universal. Well, I mean, you can go common sense on that too because I can show you examples or I could tell you about an example. Like, th this happens all the time on our end. I'm trying to think of how I can do this in paint, but I'm just going to go with like a balcony rebuild. Let's just like, you know, kind of go there if you can picture that. Like, so I go out and they're like, hey, we just want to like band-aid this. And I go, all right, it's been band-aided. Like, but right now I can go ahead and I can take care of these things. We can put it back together and it's going to cost you, let's just say 15 grand. Yep. Okay. 15 grand right now. And they're like, oh man, we only had five. We want to do the five grand deal right now. And I'm like, okay, I can do that five grand band-aid. But when this fails and I can't warranty it, it's going to be about, you know, you might get a year out of it. And You're if that do doesn't fit, five grand. when another that doesn't grand. fit well, their time frame, but then they end up, the market changes or something. Now they're holding this asset a little bit longer or they're stuck with this asset. The asset won't sell. Something like that. I, I would, this is where I say I want to be the fly on the wall in this decision making. And <laughs> I wish I could get more information out of the client sometimes because... I offered you right now, we can go ahead and fix this and we can fix it right, right now for 15 grand. I know you only want to spend five grand, but a year from now, you're going to have spent five grand 
that 15 grand number is going to jump to 25 grand. Even if materials and labor does not go up, our overhead doesn't change. Nothing changes other than the amount of damage you're going to sustain by doing this Band-Aid. So now, instead of spending 15 grand right now, you chose to spend five. But a year from now, you're going to spend 30 grand. Yeah. And, and that's 25 grand to fix, which you could have done for 15, and the five you already spent. So how in this mix does that, as an asset, like I always want, I, I need to get another person from management or ownership on here. And, <laughs> That'd and be great. That would be, yeah, I would love to have. that happens a lot, like across the board. It's like, <laughs> so, we only so. have this, but as an owner, wouldn't you rather come out of pocket another 10 grand right now to save, to save 15 in a year? I mean, I know you it's, don't have it budgeted, but you got to have reserves or whatever. How long are you going to hold the asset? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that comes and, down and, to and it. And it goes back to you get what you pay for and do it right the first time, right? If they do it right the first yeah. time, they may pay a little bit more, but in the end, they find themselves saving money. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, in our industry, probably the most, the best example is metal painting, right? I mean, yeah. they, they don't want to pay you to do it right. Yeah. And metal no. paint. So what happens is instead of they're going, hey, we're only willing to pay three or four bucks a linear foot to paint our wrought iron metals and handrails. But then they end up incurring those expenses on the maintenance side two years later. Yeah. Because they didn't pay you the six, seven dollars a linear foot <coughs> to do it right. right. To scrape yeah. it, get it down to, to the bare Sand metal. Sand it. Really to do it right. A lot of labor yeah. there. Yeah. It's a lot of so, upfront costs. But yeah. what is it? Especially when multiple coats have been put on something and you get You're just asking the for wrong trouble. coats been put on a door or a handrail. Oh. And then now you've put an oil base on top of a water base <laughs> or vice versa. Like oh. those things give me like nightmares Ouch. at night. Like, oh, <laughs> me, me too. Yeah. I remember when we finished our remodel at the house and Sarah's like, can I like get some blue tape out and like, Mark all this stuff, and I was like, "You just gave me a panic attack. You almost sent me to the hospital." Like, do you know what that 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 gives me nightmares? Like when I know there's a punch about to come up, and like you hand a a manager a roll of tape, and she goes through, and now the unit looks like it has chicken pox, and you're like, "Wow, what what just happened?" Yeah, no, it's um, I I love the thing you. We always go back to you get what you pay for, and what do you want? I think when your initial question and you know you really got to dig in as a rep to understand the customer and their needs. Yeah. At the end of the day if we if we communicate that and know hey Mr. Owner, management company, you know, we we have to communicate what is it you want and and here's what I can do to increase that time or Hey, if you're going to sell it and you need bare bones, all right, we can do that. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just about in anything you do. Yeah. You know, uh, really understanting what what you want out of it. Uh-oh. I think they're liking I, the I rye. Think, I think, uh, <laughs> well, it's just close to Mario. He's, <laughs> he's left-handed. I don't know. He's, he's that's what's sip, wrong with me. sipping on the rye, and, and Garrett was hoping to take that home. So, so well, no, well, I have another bottle of that. Oh, of course you do. Of course I do. Well, so uh, for, for our bourbon and cigars guys so far, what do you guys think Ooh. about the bourbon? Like, what's your favorite so far? You've had both now. Like, what, what are you guys thinking about these? Man, I'm leaning on that rye, man. You know, with the first, I, I the, lean to rye the, normally. I know. The very first time I came to your house, 
remember? It's like, mm-hmm. des- it's uh, like for the listeners, it's like dessert. I did. Well, <laughs> I was a bullet guy. I drank bullet, and that was what I drank. I mm. came to Garrett's house, and he goes, drink whenever you want. And those of you who don't know, Garrett has a couple of bottles of bourbon at his house. A few. Library. Yeah. So he gave me a rye, and I was like, ugh. Yeah. I didn't like it, but... It's just like cigars. After a little while, you get to learn what you like. Your palate changes that's a little right. bit. You get to try different things. It, it, it really is mixes that, Is that it something up. that's just a coming-of-age thing, do you think? Is it just your well, I mean, think about it. When you were a kid, what did you not like to eat? Yeah, well, Brussels I know, sprouts. I know when I was a, what, what was something like, like my little brother hated strawberries. Sprouts. Yeah. He I mean, hated strawberries. And then sometime when he was like 18, I'm not going to say why, but like, also, now he loves strawberries. You know, Varsity <laughs> Blues came out, and all of a sudden he's eating strawberries. I'm like, God, I gotta hide the strawberries. Uh, you know? like, well, it's like beer, right? I mean, yeah. when I was younger, I'd be drinking all these like, you know, like these light beers and even the Mexican beers like Corona. And now I can't even I can't even drink a Corona. I like my crafty beers. I don't know if it's just a coming of age or maybe i'm just getting I bougie. maybe i'm just getting bougie i don't yeah. know He's bougie. <laughs> definitely but i mean your taste buds do change i mean like they even do. with cigars so like, let's go cigar for you like do you always want to smoke the same type of cigar like there's times like i, I look at bourbon and cigars it's kind of like music for me yeah music i listen to everything mm. from opera to opera. classical to you know Hip hop to pop to rock to heavy metal. I mean, I, I mean, I literally listen to everything. You're a but mu- it's, you had a music background, right? But it, it's more about what mood am I in? Okay, like, you know, like you know, obviously, like, do you go work out and lift weights listening to, to like country no. music? Something about fast. something I ran over your dog? No, no, no. no, I'm listening no, you to Chevelle or Five Finger Death Punch yes. or. <laughs> Your bad omens, or you know, something like that. Down, yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the juices flowing, man. I want to be pumped oh, up. I don't. Yeah, oh, Pantera. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you're, you're trying to do that. Cigars and bourbon are the same way for me. Like, yes. I don't always want a bourbon that's gonna like roast my ass. Yeah. You know, sometimes I want something as much as this word Mild. is faux pas. I want something smooth. Maybe I want something that's gonna be a little lighter on my palate. Maybe. Maybe I'm going out for Italian or Mexican or I'm having a steak. That changes what I want to drink or smoke for, sure. for that matter. No like, doubt. I don't want to go out and have a steak dinner, have a nice night drinking with the wife, have some steak, come home. I'm not grabbing the boldest cigar I have. I'm for probably sure. going to pick something a little, a little creamier, yep. a little lighter. Dessert. Just because I more dessertish. Yeah. But if I went out and had Italian food and I drank wine with my wife, maybe I want a little bolder cigar to finish it off. Like, so I think it changes with the experience and where you're at. Like, and also, like, I can sit and, like, really get into a cigar and I'll smoke that for a while. But then I need a break. Like, I want to smoke something different. You know, I, I want to curate that experience a little bit more. And I just, I think that's part of the journey. Yeah. It is a journey, and I'm just learning that. I mean, I really haven't smoked. I chewed on cigars. I was playing poker. I remember there was one time where I was playing poker with my buddies, and I think it was my birthday. I was much younger than I am now. Your birthday parties are legit. Well, uh, only one, only one. So, um, but, you know, you, you learn. You learn what you like, yeah. what you don't like. I think that's life. 
Yeah. Right? I think I think you you try things. Yeah. Um, and things change. Uh, it's not as easy when it comes to industry stuff. People yeah. don't like change. Right. You know, most people don't like change. Uh, like I said, it when does. I started, I drank Bullet forever, and I went to your house. And I drank a couple of things. I was like, man, there's some really good bourbons I yeah. don't know anything about. Well, that, and, and that kind of goes to, uh, well, let's, let's talk about Bullet for a minute. Because that, that, that's an interesting segment there, too. Bullet was sourcing their, their bourbon from a lot of major players. Yeah. So early on when you're getting some of these, like, Bullet hadn't been around for 10, 12 no. years. Bullet was relatively new when you started drinking sure. Bullet. Yeah. Right? So, so 2019-ish. Yeah. Bullet wasn't that old. Yeah. But they're putting out 10, 12-year-old bourbons, 15-year-old. Right. How do you do that? Well, they're sourcing it. So they're getting stuff that was aging from a top guy. They were non-distiller producing. They were bringing that in. So you might have got, like, there was, I mean... Four Roses was somebody they bought sure. barrels for. Mm. Yep. So you're getting 10, 12-year-old Four Roses barrels that they're blending and selling to you as Bullet. Yeah. Now, what happened was, was and why people started slamming it was as they continued to age the stuff that they were producing. was better. And that started hitting out the market. No, it necessarily wasn't mm. because you weren't getting 10, 12-year-old Four Roses. Okay, yeah. You're getting a four-year-old, which is bourbon, that they distilled. Okay, that now all of a sudden, like, the profile's a little different. You're like, wait, whoa, this is the same bottle I've been buying. I mean, it, it's exactly the same. Right. Oh, oh, but the age statement's a little different, or it doesn't have an age statement. Sure. Now that stuff's changing the game a little bit. So that's where, and, and you know, you were at a unique point in your bourbon journey when you came over and started hanging yep. out with me a little bit more, where I didn't chase the big allocated stuff. I was... I was really trying to find craft distillers that were doing mm. something really unique. So, you know, still to this day, that's something I do more of. That like, I want people to try people that are trying to do unique, fun things with that. Like, enjoy spirits. I mean, I've not drank a lot of bourbon in the last eight months. I've drank more tequila in the last eight months than I have bourbon. But my mm. palate kind of changed. You know, like, and I, I found a way where I found tequilas I liked. I've even had gin drinks now, like that. It's summertime. It's hot out. It's a little more refreshing. Yeah. I would have told you I hated gin, like, but I went down that journey and had a lot of friends that are like craft drink makers, really craft distillers and stuff like that. And like, oh well, what is it you didn't like about that gin? And as you start to learn more, it's like, well, I didn't like the botanical. I didn't like the real floral yeah. parts of it. Oh, so you don't like juniper-based gin? Mm. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you're right. I don't. Just like I hated scotch forever. Well, I didn't really hate scotch. What I didn't like was the heavily peated scotches. Right. It was too earthy for mm -hmm. me. But until I had that vocabulary, which translates to cells and everything else like that, like once you have that vocabulary, you're able to go on that journey and do a little more. Hopefully without like spending the amount of money I spent on bourbon, you know, like... <laughs> You know, you can figure these. Some I don't want to. I don't want to know. No, you, we, we don't want to know. But there neither is, does Sarah. You, you mentioned tequila, <laughs> right? I mean, you start talking about the differentiation between, you know, top shelf versus bottom shelf tequilas. Yeah. It's a night and day different yeah. experience. Or Anejo, Blanco, yeah, Reposado. And, and now it's like, wow, 
okay, I've been I've been drinking the crappy stuff, right? Yeah. You start drinking the finer stuff, you kind of goes back to the you get what you pay for, right? Well, uh, you also <laughs> learn that there's additives. Finer things of. You learn about additives, and like mm-hmm. a lot of tequila has additives. They got Absolutely. sugar and cigars, agave. Cigars, cigars way. Way. you flavor my cigar or put some shit in my cigar, I am out. Like, do not do that. Like, to me, like, there, there's a Byron that's out that, like, when, it, when you open up the box, it, it literally smells like blueberries. Oh, mm. no. It almost turned me off at first. Like, I was like, I'm not smelling that. They really, Alfon- Nelson Alfonso flavored a cigar? Like, no. It, but in its maturation process it put off this blueberry smell mm. when you smoked it it wasn't like you tasted like you, you were smoking blueberry. blueberries but the box when you open it up it would smell like that that that'll throw people off and like as you're going on journeys you need other people that know more about whatever it is surrounding yourself with people that have some knowledge or like being open to that will change that for you like i stayed away from tequila for a long time because when I was younger, it was always shooting tequila. Sure. If I shoot a couple shots of tequila Ow. after drinking some bourbon, no, I want to fight everybody in the room. Like, you're looking at my wife wrong. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. We all do. I'm Conor McGregor all of a sudden in the bar. Like, you know, like, it, it's stupid. But then when I, like, met some people that, like, started teaching me about tequila, I was like, oh, if I just sipped it, oh, eat an orange with this. Like, it brings we out different that. flavors. We did like, that Mexico. You yeah. start <laughs> learning things, yeah. and like, you realize, like, no, it's either how I was doing it or it was my lack of knowledge on what I was doing. Definitely the latter. That affected it. And usually it's the lack of knowledge. I part. think that comes yeah. to everything when you're talking about common sense. What is common sense? It's yeah. about life experiences. Absolutely. How many of you had? You might have a little more common sense with the more life experience that you have. Yeah. So. Experiences teach you lessons so that you don't have to make those mistakes again. And hopefully you learn from those mm-hmm. lessons. Absolutely. Yeah, you learn what you like when you, when you talked about, you know, your brother didn't like strawberries. Maybe he liked it because of the movie. Right, but we've all. I think it had to do with the chick. It was like <laughs> well, here's some oh, strawberries and whipped movie. cream. Did he but, dip it yeah. in chocolate? I mean, that's an image that sticks in everybody's mind. <laughs> right. I mean, especially as a 15 year old kid. Yeah. Like, oh, I like some strawberries and some cream. Yeah. You know, whatever it takes. But yeah, uh, yeah it's. Um, I mean, life experiences teaches you things and what you want to learn from it. I think that's. Uh, it's it's everything. So. You taught me a little bit more about bourbon. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew I liked it, but I didn't know what I liked, really. I, I taught him I, too much because he learned it was a weakness, and that's how he beats me in golf the majority <laughs> of the time. Well, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. But, uh, but I can't get him talking to himself in the third person. You know? like, I can't yeah, that's do a that. problem. That, that's, that's always good when you get that. Hey, if he starts talking to himself in the, the third, third person, person it's over. you know you are all up in that Randy Rivers' head, you Randy and you are whooping his ass in some golf. <laughs> and then I can tell you what happens next is fireball shots and shit like that starts flowing. And then what happens? And then, and, and then the game turns. <laughs> <laughs> because who gets better after all that stuff? Oh, man. Yeah, Randy ridiculous. Rivers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, this dude can like, be sucking at golf. He can be 10 strokes Come behind. On, and all of a sudden, he puts a fireball in the equation. And I don't and like fireball. But you... you 
you, oh, a couple no, others no. that I know so you, in the industry yeah. say, hey, we got to do these. I'm like, oh, So, I don't so know. the strategy so is to give them, yeah. that, that's your strategy. Right? It was until get him, he figured it out. It, it had an adverse effect on, yeah. on the oh, game. Yeah. Swing I was juice. like, I got ten strokes lead. I'm gonna smoke. Yeah, I'll pound your fireball with you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Let's do this. And yeah, then okay. it turns into it that you cutter. Up. It loosens Uh-oh. you up. Pass um, me the cutter. He needs. He needs. Uh, <laughs> you've already gone through the. I went, how, yeah. What do you think of that first cigar? It is really good. I see why the guys say that one in particular is better. I know it has, and I, I, I'm gonna mess this up. Like. It's early 2000s tobacco, so it's got like four years older tobacco than the one I smoked previously. Okay. It, huge difference. Like, it, it's super smooth. It burned really, really well. I mean, I smoked it as far as I could without, like, burning my fingers. Like your roach clip. You were on yeah, it. Yeah. Easy, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what mine. kind of show this is. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What kind of show you're trying to make this, Mario? <laughs> well, speaking of cigars. Uh, this isn't the Hot Box yeah, podcast. Yeah, you said, you said, so early 2000s, that would make it a 20-year There's some of, They said 2006 is a number I heard. 2010 is a number. I heard so it's it's got some older tobacco in it like and that was the first roll they did apparently on that particular one there's three of them that came out two Lanceros that aren't much one's just a little bit thicker in diameter that's the thinnest it's the oldest I'm butchering it because I don't have the notes on it's the first time I've smoked it so can't wait to smoke what do you guys think of the Alfonso it's really good it's got a good pull uh great flavor yeah great flavor nice draw uh i didn't smoke it in 10 minutes like you anticipated you you can put down a cigar man like it's really impressive how you can like well i i'm low down a cigar i'm what you call a doer yeah so once i start something i want to finish it that's that's uh so that's 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 what i got man in everything that i do if you give me a task, I'm on it. And if something gets in my way, I get mad if I don't get to finish it yeah. on on my could, time. Could be a four cigar right, night right. for Randy, for could Mr. Be. Rivers. Could what, be. What is it? A four cigar night for you. New. No. You keep that doer oh attitude Oh, my gosh. Up. I'll have to sit here for an hour after the show <laughs> just to. Tasha's going to make him strip in the yeah. garage oh, she's, and shower. She, she's already, she's already yeah. said, she said, it's going to be a late night. Yeah. You're going to smoke cigars. Uh, let me put your pillow on the couch because don't wake me up. It's snoring. Yes, well, yeah. snoring, one, because of bourbon. Yeah. Uh, smelling like a stinky cigar. Don't come in my bed smelling like that. Yeah. Don't wake me up taking a shower. Yeah. You know, we all have rules, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know. I don't want to do that. No. I don't want to be in the doghouse. No. But, you know, you have to ask permission. Eh, you know, hey, this is once in a, hey, I'm, a, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, we've been uh, talking about it for a while. Mario's schedule's too crazy. Mario's schedule's insane, man. I, I, I don't know how you do it, man. He's a, a machine. I um, usually, My wife would the, lose the, her the, mind the, if I the, traveled the, as much. The luxury of travel, though, is you get to visit all these cigar bars, right? Mm. You have, don't you, rub it in right now. You have That's the, what you're doing. Do you have the, the <laughs> where to smoke This is a pretty app? nice one, though, right, Mario? Where to, yeah, where yeah. to smoke at cigar, wherever you are in the country. You pull this app up, and... It'll tell you the nearest cigar bar. You're gonna have to share that with me, and like, <laughs> if you got a good one in Cabo, I want to know because I'm going to Cabo at the end of the month for yeah. my 10 year anniversary. So, you got a good one, I want to know. I'm sure so, you can pull. So, one. how do you feel about Cubans? Tell me your thoughts on Cubans. 
because you know I have a very interesting for the longest time I'd always somebody would give me a Cuban and until I think I smoked a real Cuban I could tell the difference okay so my experience with cigars and Cubans has been this so far Cubans are good um, there's really old ones like you can go in there like they, in, at, here at Industrial they have pre-embargo Cubans I mean they're super expensive they're old they're really I mean like and I've smoked a couple of them like they're good um, I think Cubans get played out right now because from what I know the research I've done and what I've been told by people that know way more about cigars than me so the Russians when when the U.S. did the embargo on Cuba, the Russians used to dump a lot of money into Cuba of course. to help them with their farming, nutrients in the ground, stuff like that. Well, over the last decade or so, they haven't been pouring as much money into Cuba. Cuba. So the amount of stuff that's getting pulled and used in those grounds, like, you know, it's just like re-fertilizing, re-putting those nutrients back in the ground. That tobacco is not the same. Like, so I, I think old Cuban cigars are Mom. probably phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, the ones I've smoked have all been great. Like, can't say anything bad about them. But I don't think it's like the end-all, be-all. It's kind of like Nike Reebok, you know, back in the day. Like, it, it, is it better? Like, is it the profile you prefer? Like, there's so many people doing things with cigars that... And from different origins, different rainforests, different this and that, where they're getting their tobacco and different fermenting processes yeah. and stuff like that. That I think going, you know, I'm, I'm spoiled because here at Industrial, their humidor is so curated. I mean, yeah, there's a couple bad cigars in their humidor and it's stuff that they have to put out there and it's in there. You know, like most people know what that is. I'm not going to talk bad about anybody's <laughs> cigars, but, you know, Nine out of ten things in there are really good. Like, you, you, it may not be your cup of tea. You might buy it and smoke it and go like, nah. eh, it's just okay. Or, nah, that didn't really do it for me. But, like, the other one, you're like, wow, this really did it for me. Like, I really like this. Like, the majority of you are going to find it doing that. And if you can express what it is about yeah. a cigar you like, I guarantee you they're going to turn you on to things that you, you'll like. Like, if you can... If you can put some words to what it is that you like, they, they can take you down that road. So I think Cubans are kind of overrated. Like people are paying like, and right now Cubans are going insane on the like market. And so like Cohibas, the B-Hike went from being like a $200 cigar to like $500, $600 cigar for one cigar. No. Like, I'm sorry, no. this Nelson Alfonso, this will smoke most Cubans any day of the week like th this is a premium cigar like you're you're not getting you know you go with a byron a luciano uh you know like there's just so many that are really good the grand habanos are putting out stuff uh um patoro i mean like these guys are putting out german engineered even yeah. Like, these guys are putting out top-notch cigars. And, I, you know, now that I've named several of them, the, the faux pas with Cuban tobacco and getting around that, like, these guys are, 
moving tobacco around from country to country and buying it and maybe they're maybe you can buy in spain cuban tobacco and you're buying a nicaraguan leaf right. and then you're blending it with other tobacco you had so it's but not because you come there they're not going to sit there and say it's yeah. cuban they're going to tell you that it's got cuban tobacco in it no because if they did that you now couldn't sell that tobacco in the u.s yep so if you talk to people in the know, you'll find out that there's a lot of tobacco that is Cuban-based in cigars that you're smoking. Yep. But most of the time, you don't even know that. Right. You're more, is it a good smoke? Does it burn good? Right. Yeah. Is it... That's even burn. Is it smooth? Yeah, is, it, is it hitting yeah. my flavor profile? That's is, all I know. I, I don't it, know much. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to how they process, age the leaf, where mm -hmm. it's aged. There are there is truth about where the leaf ages and how mm -hmm. it ages. Um, you know something about being near the equator. There's something there's well, something Nelson, to be said about that. Nelson you know? does his for the most enormous amount of time. I don't even want to say. Do you know Biz? Like I'm gonna mess up. Like, Ten years, his stuff. It's something crazy something like, like that. that. And they have their own. Each blend has its own individual aging. Room. Yeah, like cedar room like type. Yeah. Wow. Every cigar yeah. has its own place and ages for like for its own ammonia and stuff that changes and makes the one smell like blueberries, whatever. Like and that's in its own room. Like And somebody yeah. likes that. Yeah. It no, I'm matter. telling you, yeah. That cigar is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I, it turned me off right at first because I had somebody gave me an acid cigar, I'll say this, I don't care. An acid cigar and I was like, This is shit. And it's, but it's one of the number one cigars sold to military guys. Military guys love it. It's got a sugary wrapper. They put some sugar in it and I've stuff like that. I've smoked one. Like, it, it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. Some of them are flavored. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't, if I want flavor, I want it in my Mio for my water. Like, I don't want to smoke a cigar that tastes like strawberry kiwi or, you yeah. know, whatever. Something crazy. That one just turned me off because someone was telling me about it. And they're like, hey, check this out. They opened the box, like a brand new box that they're putting out on the shelf. It was like, smell this. And like when they did that, man, mm. it, it's blueberry muffins. Like you, it's <laughs> what you smell immediately. And I was like, I don't want to smoke a cigar that tastes like blueberries. Like I, I'm out on that. And then I finally smoked one. Someone gave me one, like, no, smoke this. You'll thank me later. Absolutely didn't taste like blueberries. Right. And even when he handed me it, outside of the box it didn't smell like blueberries right but when you open that fresh box it it smells like blueberries no bullshit like i thought they were messing with me at first but like yeah it's it's legit <laughs> what do you what do you think about cubans like what's your experience been similar um I've, the, the problem with me is i've smoked a lot of fakes fake mm -hmm. cubans and that and that like you said man you can smoke a ten dollar twelve dollar cigar any wrapper at tastes just the same but when you take i think when you really smoke a poodle like a, a real and it doesn't have to be cuban it just has to be the process of how it's aged where it's aged how long it's aged i think you'll you'll appreciate that cigar the draw the smoke um mm. you know um i i just uh you know i i remember one of the first times i i bought a 60 dollars cigar uh, i was in scottsdale arizona and it was a really like just small cigar shop. He rolled a lot of his own cigars, and he had kind of tried to tell me, "Hey, um, the aging process, right? That every year it ages." He tried to equate it to 
monetarily is like it's about a dollar per year age cigar. Yeah. You know, so if you're that's smoking, not, that's not far off. Yeah, if yeah. you're smoking a 50, 60 year, you know, age cigar, you're gonna pay 50, 60 dollars. Yeah. And you, you're gonna, you're gonna. I just notice the peppery, the you know, a lot of the, you know, the stuff that hits your palate, it's not necessarily there. When yeah. You, when you're smoking a, a puro, you're just like, wow. I smoke a full cigar, you know, with this diameter, probably even uh, twice the size, and walk away going, I, I didn't feel like I smoked, smoked right. a cigar. Yeah, so, there, there's a lot of that in the industry. Like, Cohiba, like, I brought one back from the last time I was in Cabo. And I'm telling you, like, Cohiba is the one that gets, I think, counterfeited the most. Of course. Yeah. And these guys, well, it's, it's I mean, man. like, the Everybody bands that they put on these cigars, like, I mean, and don't get me wrong. This Cohiba band, like, I knew it wasn't a beehive. The guy was selling them his beehives. He wanted $60 for it. So, like, all right, you, you got me. Like, it's close enough. Like, I mean, like, I was analyzing everything, how it lined up on mm. the wrappers. I brought it back and showed the guys here, and I was like, what do you guys think? They're like, that's the best damn fake I've ever seen so far. <laughs> like, that, like, all right, like, after, like, several minutes of, like, really analyzing, they're like, all right. That's the only little thing, like, right, see this right here, that, mm. that's off. Like, and it was literally, like, that line where it meets is not perfectly mm. vertical. It's a little bit off this way, so you can tell they overlapped it a little bit when they did it. Like, but otherwise, like, they perfectly mimicked it. Yeah. And, again, I wasn't mad. It was still a really good cigar. Yeah. Now, if this guy had tried to charge me three, four hundred dollars like for a beehive, Oof. I was like, eh. And you know, you can ask him. Show me a box you have that's unopened. Like yeah. right then and there is. You're in there with most of them are fake. Yeah. It's an open box. There's they bought the box and they're just sitting in there yeah. and they don't have any anything else. Like they'll they'll tell, oh, that's all I have. That's all that's left. Yeah. Right. You can you can tell that pretty quickly when you're yeah. when you're traveling. You know, it's just stuff I've learned recently. But you're. You're right, too, on the age thing. Like, bourbon's like that. So, an 18-year-old bourbon, you should expect to pay about 180 bucks for that. Yeah. It's almost like $10 for every year age. Like, you know, different bottles are going to go up from there. But, I mean, like, a baseline rule that people should look at is you should be paying about $10 for every Every year year of age. That's good. I like that. You know, that's a ten-year bottle should cost you about a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Yep. You know, and like, and that's fair. I mean, you think about it, like that's where a lot of stuffs ran out. Mm. You know, people got on this big bourbon hike when the beer oh, craze yeah. ended, and a lot of that's where it went because like everybody wanted something that was 12, 15, 18 years old. Didn't want and, to pay you know, it. You, when you really look at it, the bourbons that are really, really good that are older. You know, Scotch is a whole different thing, yep. but. Bourbon, Pappy Van Winkle. Everybody knows Pappy. Right. You got a 23-year-old, a 15, a 12, a 10. There's not many people that can make a really good bourbon that's over 15 years old. I mean, because you think about it, after 15 years, the angel share is very high. Mm -hmm. They're having to add water and, you know, to get any type of, you know, barrel quantity out of it. So it's been watered down. What is in there is super oaky because it's been in an oak barrel for 15, 20 plus, years. Yeah. Uh, that's not my thing. I find that most of what I prefer, if I want something older, 
it's gonna be that 12 to 15 year range. Like that, that's a sweet spot. Um, 107 proof to about 121 proof is a sweet spot for me as well. I'm not a person that likes super hot. Uh, I mean, if it's that's hotter, hot. that's and it, hot to a lot of people. Though. Drinks, yeah, a lot of yeah. people are 80 proof, 80, 100 proof, 80, 90, 107. You know, that's where my palate changed after the bullet. I enjoyed mm-hmm. a little hotter, mm-hmm. a little more proof. Um, I didn't drink as much. I, now I'm drinking it neat. You told me, you know, I didn't mix it with Coke. You know, I did back in <laughs> in college. We all did. Or, and the yeah. hangovers were way worse. Way you worse. Got all that Too much sugar. sugar. Yeah. But like, I, and I tell all the same way when you came over to my house. I, I I said the same thing. Like, I'm not telling you you have to drink it neat. I'm telling you to try it neat. Yep. Before you decide what you want to do with it. Yep. If you want one ice cube, several ice cubes, or you want to put a little splash of water in it, whatever. Just try it neat before you dive in and decide what you want to do. I mean, it could be one sip. Just no, That yeah. way you experience the full flavor. You know what it is you like or don't like about it. Yep. You, you can go somewhere from there. You know, you have a ground, yeah. zero, ground zero to go yep. from. Yep. Absolutely. No, yeah. It's uh it's been an experience. Yeah. You know, for sure. Uh through like you said, it was probably two thousand nineteen. I drank beer before then. You know, and then I couldn't drink beer like yeah. I could drink beer before. You yeah, know? your stomach changes oh, when you get older. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you, you drink more than four Grandpa. beers, it's like oh, oh yeah, here it is. But unless I'm in the pool and I have a light beer and Oh, yeah. water changes the game for me. If I'm in water, you can give me whatever beer, and I can drink. I, I yeah. drink beer all day long. All day. Take me out of the water. I don't want to drink beer. No. I don't feel like I ate a seventy-two yeah. ounce steak. Yeah, I'm not. And my friends and my wife, uh, they're like Rivers. We never see you eat. I'm like I can't. You know, if I'm drinking beer, I I cannot because I'm full. Yeah. yeah. I'm completely full. Yeah. Maybe at the end of the night, but changes things. It does change things. So. Um, Again, it's about life experiences and what yeah. you know, and what you like. So, what are some common sense things that you got that drive you guys nuts? Like, what are, what are some things that that people think is common sense that like you're like, no, nah, you got this all wrong, or like just drives you guys crazy? Like, Oof. oh man, I tell you, I just got back from a trip southwest Colorado, so it was a long drive with the fam. Yeah, two kids. Two kids, wife. wife, you know, I'm in the grocery getter that gets it, you yeah. know. I drive a truck that doesn't go very fast. But, uh, you know, it just amazes me. Highway. God, how much it used to drive me crazy. Still does, if you ask Tasha. Did I get upset on the way home? <laughs> sure I did. Why is this asshole in the left lane going 67 in a 65? Yeah. Move over. You know, these are common sense things. Merging. That, um, Why does nobody in Texas know how to merge? Uh, we don't know how to do the zipper. <laughs> um, I mean, it is mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I got, a as a kid, I got my that, license. Uh, I, I think it's a Texas thing because not everybody's from Texas anymore. Yeah, but, like, I got my license in Connecticut. 16, I took my driving test in a Northeastern Blizzard in a, in a six-speed Camaro. Like... And then I, I've driven in New York. I've driven in D.C. Like, and people talk about New York like it's the craziest thing in the world. No, they just like to use their horn, but they let you know where they're at. Well, they're there. And you know what? I can respect that. Like, yeah. But 
I moved to Texas, and I remember the first thing when I got here was like, oh, it's the the speed limit is the flow of traffic. That was bullshit. I got my first speeding ticket real fast. That was a lie. I was like, well, I was going with the flow of traffic. Nah. And he's like, nah, son. That's not how this works. But, like, people don't know how to merge. I'm like, is this not taught in driver's ed in Texas? Because people don't merge. Like, we would all get there faster if we could be a little more courteous yeah, on the road. Like nobody's courteous. But, but is that is that a, like? But is it a age thing? Do you think? I mean, is there things that change the older you get? You're not so much well, in you a hurry. Grew up driving in California, what do you think? I'm well, always in a hurry, Mario. We I already had. I am too. Look, I, yeah. I, I get a little. We got road, I get go. a lot of road rage every now and then, and it's just because I'm either behind someone in the left lane. They don't understand that that's a passing lane. Yeah. Right? You get in there, you pass, somebody's just cruising along, and then typically when you pass them up, it's somebody that, you know, yeah, they're you're not, elder. You they're know? living in their own world. I'll call my brother, one of my brother's friends from high school, <coughs> Stephen Ball. Oh, if you're watching Stephen this, Ball, like, you're I'm taking calling you out right like, now. This dude literally will get on a major highway and he will He's drive the speed limit in the fast lane, and people will be honking on him. He's like, it's my right. Speed, I'm, fall, speed I'm, limit, abiding, I'm abiding by the law. Like, I am driving the speed limit. Get off my ass. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Why do you think there's a passing lane? Like, can Oklahoma be the only state that says the left lane is for passing and we'll write you a ticket if you're not and you're just cruising in the fast lane? Oklahoma's got it right. Like, I mean, for Denver real, Center, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> One thing we definitely agree on. There is no what, doubt. What happened if there was like no speed limit? What would what would be the case? I think people some would, of these highways up in Montana uh-huh. and all that. Autobahn. Right. I mean, you don't you, you don't see it. people getting in car accidents up there. Oh. Yeah. The 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 dumbass that still does what dumbasses do, but like <laughs> the majority, like I mean, we we could take this to like legalizing drugs. Like, Ooh. go to the states Ooh, that have legalized drugs. Like. We were just there. I mean, like, do you have to do that? Like, does it really make everybody a drug addict because it's legal? No. No, like, have some common sense. Like, there's so many things like that you could just go down the road about. Like, but the majority can't have common sense. They can't handle it. Well, they don't have any life experience. One. I mm-hmm. think that's a lot to do with it. I really do. Yeah. I really do. I think that. Absolutely. I don't know. It seems like an old soul uh, from the time I'm little. To think about my surroundings. I think that's a lot of, when you talk about common sense, I think I, I, think I put that on you a month or so ago of like, your show's common sense. And I know it's sense like dollars. When we talked about that, yeah. you get what you pay for. Yeah. But when you're talking about common sense, uh, it's about just what's around you. Most yeah. people are selfish. Really, when it yeah. comes down to it, they're living their own world. Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to it, it's me. I don't care about you. Yeah. You know, and what so, you. So do you think? Do you think there's less common sense today because of a generational shift, or do you think it's? Do you think we had more common sense when we grew up, or do you think it, there's less? Absolutely, of that? absolutely. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people want to think they have common sense i think so because i think i had a conversation with one of my coworkers today about this and mind you you guys both have kids i don't have kids but we were talking about remember when you were like 10 or 12 years old you're you know a third fourth grade boy going through puberty 
You would you would sneak out of your if your parents were super strict, you'd go stay the night at your friend's house, whoever you whoever's house you could get out of the easiest, you know. And you're like you're running the neighborhood. You yeah, guys absolutely. are playing flashlight tag. You're you know you're just you're you're running you're the being neighborhood. A kid. You're being a kid. Yeah. You know, you we don't have, do that. You may have set out, you may have gone over to see some girl that had her window Ooh, open. Sneaky. So you're sitting there, yeah. sitting outside her window talking to you and like you're trying to mack on this girl and like impress her, like, yeah, I'm out of the house, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. You can't do that today. No. You, if you got caught doing that, you would be in jail as a sex offender. Yeah. True. I mean, like, legit, like a 12-year-old boy. That, yeah. yeah, you'd be a peeping Tom. You'd be some, like, just because you were sitting out there talking to your little girlfriend that you wrote notes to in Pretty third innocent. grade. Pretty like, innocent. Innocent. Like, innocent, innocent. And I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm just saying the majority. But, like, that's what, that's what growing up in the 80s and 90s was. Like, you did those kind of things. You ran around the neighborhood with your friends. You couldn't go through two neighborhoods in North Dallas and not get picked no. up by a cop or somebody reporting you or a ring doorbell catching you. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't go door knocking. You couldn't. You, I mean, you can't do any of the things. You egg somebody's house, toilet paper somebody's oh, yeah. house. Like, all it the It happens things we occasionally. Right. Small, but like, we live in a small town. But, but now, like, now it's still it's very like minor. A, yeah, now sure. But you doing can't that now, do those like things. Same criminal. thing. It's like, when I was, it's like, it wasn't criminal when we were growing up. It was just. No, you would. Somebody might call your mom and say, hey, did right. you know your boy was out and he forked your my yard? over here. Yeah, hey, he was talking to my daughter through yeah, her yeah. window. At one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's like, oh, I didn't know he's, he told me he spent the night at so-and-so's house. Mm -hmm. I got busted that way. You know, but <laughs> right. it would, my mom knew it was innocent. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't doing anything right, you weren't doing anything bad. No. But, like, same thing with, like, a 10 or 12-year-old boy that's out running around in his neighborhood. Oh, I don't want a 10 or 12-year-old boy running around my neighborhood. I'm sure you don't. I, I'm still waiting until you <laughs> well, end you, you were that boy I was back that in the boy, day. and my it's, kids know that. It's going to be bad boys. I'm going to be over there in a wife beater hanging out with Randy when the, when the boys come knocking when they hit uh, junior high over there. They're in junior Junior high, junior high and high school, oh, and I got man. two girls. And and when I look back at the things I did, I have these conversations with the girls. My wife says, and it's funny, my daughter asked my wife about questions about, you know, what dad did, and it's like, why are you with him? Because we're we're trying to instill <laughs> other so things. Bold. Oh my God, we we speak about everything. Even yeah. when my boys were growing up, we'd have spaghetti dinner. And that's, yeah. that's when they knew when, when we made spaghetti, it was no holds barred conversation. But I don't know about you guys, your brothers, sisters? No. You, I got six other brothers. Okay, Woo! so, so you, you know what it's like. Then. Are you the youngest, oldest, I'm middle? Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, forgotten about. But when you were a kid, like, I remember like, my, both of my parents worked. You know, oh, my yeah. job in the summer was. Hey, here's ten bucks. Right. Watch your brother today. There's the food in the fridge. Make him some macaroni and cheese. Go to the pool in the park. Yep. Buy your brother some lunch. Yep. Take care of him. We'll be home. Uh, if you did that with your ten or twelve year old today, no. you'd have CPS called on you. You'd be in jail. <laughs> it's like you locked your baby or dog in the car, and it's 107 out. Like, yeah. You can't do that. So, so back to our original question there, almost like. Yes, I don't think there's as much common sense today because these kids haven't been forced to grow up because they, yeah. they weren't given any of these responsibilities 100%. growing up. 
when they earn that trust or respect from their parents, they're not given that in today's world because their parents would go to jail if they did yeah. that. So these kids sit around and play video games, stay on their phone, whatever. They have babysitters. They have no sense of responsibility or you know, ownership in things. Like they, they, Everything's handed to them. Everything's yeah. taken care of. They don't have those things because we don't operate in a world where that's still the norm. Yeah. And what happens when those kids grow up? We're seeing it right now. That's right. Cancel so, culture. Yeah. All this so, bullshit that we oh, get they, to watch. They want to be CEO when they put in a year's worth of work. Yeah. Well, they don't even want dads. That's the other scary thing. Are you guys seeing this with your painters and stuff? Like, I talked about this with one of the custom home builders here. Uh, what about all these high-end trade carpenters? Like, high-end framers, high-end trim guys high-end drywall guys that can do like level five finishes high-end paint where are they at i was like that, they're, that when, their dads, <laughs> when their dads retire and it's no more which there are a lot of them are getting to that age yeah. where's the next group That's coming what, from because we're not teaching kids these no. trades nor do they want to know these trades yeah. yeah they want dad's lifestyle and money well, you bet they want to own the business but they don't want to actually do any of the work and what makes those guys good is they all know how to do that work yep. they've trained every yeah. one of those guys coming up on how to clean their spray rig how to paint this how to do this high-end faux finish how to do xyz how to cut these angles how to finish this drywall at this level They've been taught that for years as like apprentices. That's not in existence anymore. So where are we going to be in another five, ten We're gonna years? We're going to be in a world of hurt when those guys retire. Because who's going to do that high end work? Yeah. Everybody's going to be doing what we call turn level work. Like, but yeah. when you live in University Park or something, and you want that high end cabinet custom guy. Who Where are you going to get him from? Because nobody's training those guys anymore. No. Well, I think that's the biggest thing we're <clears throat> the biggest thing we're facing right now is that the trades, right? The people working with their hands, that's diminishing. It's diminishing. That's why we have to turn to folks that are willing to do the work, and they're they may be getting trained the proper training, but most of them are not. They're just figuring it out on their own. So, or they don't have a desire to. They just want to run the business. They want to run the business. They, they want just, to make the money. They want to have the lifestyle. They want yeah. to buy fine it's been cigars. Provided and, from yeah. for them all that yeah. time. Like, yeah. So did we? Did we fail as a Gen X? Did uh, we fail man, our millennials? I, you know, I, you know, growing up, and Tasha can tell you, I'm not very good with my hands. You know, but I'm good with other things. Yeah. You know, so. Again, it's it's. But you what didn't do you come know? from a family like that. Like your no. family wasn't trying to teach you to. My my family worked. Yeah. Right. Like like what, like what you spoke about. They but, worked all day. They worked hard. They gave me five bucks, wrote us a note, and said, "Good luck for the day." But even if you look at somebody like, you know, my generation. Uh oh. My generation. Like I have a good friend here that's a home builder, here in our generation. His dad started the custom private home building, you know, right? His dad started out building these homes with his own hands, you know, yeah. like, and he built up to this huge custom home builder, right? Right. Well, when Sun comes in, does Sun start off as the framer? No. 
No. Yeah. The son's starting off as, as the project, project manager. manager. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't even know how that wall's supposed to be framed. Yeah. He yeah. just knows if you're so, like, working or... Instead of making them come up the way that they did, the majority, I'm not saying this is all of them, but like the yeah. majority of them, they didn't have to yeah. go through the same rigors that dad did. Yep. And yep. I think a lot of parents have failed their kid because they just wanted to provide them something better that they didn't make them learn the essentials to, to be able to do that. And now you've got a whole another generation. They're taking over these companies. Well, who's doing the worker? And our immigration policy is shit. So yeah. the guys that actually want to do the stuff that, in my opinion, most white people do not want to fucking do, you know, they don't want to do it. But we don't want to let the guys in from Mexico right now that actually want to do it. We're not making it easy for them to get their citizenship and to be able to do this stuff. And these guys have been doing it with their dad, their granddad for yep. decades. Yep. But here in America, yep. we haven't been doing that. We gave our kids the easy way. We wanted to you know, make them successful. We didn't make them start where we did. Some did, some didn't. But like, there's going to be a huge gap, I think, here in five to ten years that like, I don't know in five to ten years I, w- I still want to be in construction because like, where are these guys going to come from? Right. I mean, I'm going to be trying to do A-end work, high-end, A-level work, and all I've got is C&D guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's going to come a point where that's going to be a big factor all across the U.S. because we don't teach these kids how to do this stuff. I think the, They all want the easy way. Well, They've been given stuff. Well, other things have changed that, though, Garrett. I mean, you look yeah. at you look at – you know, because we're talking about trades, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. trades. Look at how many shifts of businesses or careers have shifted from trades to the computer world, right? I mean, yeah. the internet. The internet changed a lot of that. Yeah. Sure. I mean. Everything these yeah. kids do is put I mean, on internet. When, when we went to school, there were still trade shops. and Oh, yeah. You know, we had work, wood shop. Wood and shop. And mechanics. And mechanics. Yep. I mean, taking an auto class. So how do we fix that? Like how, what I think do we they do? need to put that back in school. That's, yeah. I think that's the first step. You know, step it, it coming from a small town when we have uh, FFA and, and sure. things of that nature. I mean, my daughter learned how to do a cutting torch. Yeah. It was awesome. That's freaking amazing. You know, yeah. when you talk about, yeah. I mean, she's a 15-year-old kid, 14-year-old at the time, and she's done something I've never done. Because yeah. I did, I didn't have that. We, Kinsler, you're missing out right now. Uh, I know you'd have so much to say about this. Oh right no, now. no, 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 no. Yeah, we. You know what's funny? Uh, you know, Ginsler, my ne- old neighbor. Um, he <laughs> taught my daughter. I didn't grow up hunting. Yeah. Right. So, we took her out at 13 years old and put a rifle in her hand, and she hit from 50 yards, 100 yards. Mm. I was like, wow, she's got something here, and she's calm, cool, and collected put her out in a stand i've never killed a deer she dropped a buck 125 yards no problem yeah no problem so it's about Mm. teaching your kids these life lessons i always taught my boys i have older boys too so i have a a 29 year old holy yeah mario i'm yeah he's started young making me a peepaw or whatever I'm going to be. Peepaw. You know, and a 27-year-old. I'm getting you a tag for your golf bag. Yeah. Boy, that'd be good. Peepaw Rivers. Um, But the only thing I told them, if I didn't know, 
I said, just work harder than the man next to you. Yeah. The only thing that I could tell them, they would always have a job if they worked harder than the ne- yeah. man next to them. Learn, learn a trade, learn what you're doing, ask questions if yeah. you don't know, but outwork the man next to you. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my youngest one, he, he's the one that he brings that up. He's like, the, you know, the one thing you taught me was work hard. Yeah. Um, I just think you, you, you hit a rub at some point in all this because AI, robots and shit aren't going to be able to build a house from scratch. You know what I mean? Like what we do is... We don't is, think. I know, but like <laughs> industry is like our industry is never going away. People are always yeah. going to need apartments and homes. But we're doing a piss poor job of training younger men and women how to do these trades because most of them don't want to do that hard work. Like I can guarantee you in the next decade, the dudes that are going to draw the most money, like you don't want to be a stockbroker or some crypto guy or some video gamer or blogger, podcaster. Like you legit, if you can learn one of these high craft trades, you're going to be able to get premium dollar per hour because no one else is going to be able to do what you do. Get your grandfather, your dad, to teach you that trade because how many great painters? I mean, if I called either one of you right now and I said, I need, I need, I need a new painter, you guys are going to give me five or six names, but how many of those would you say, like, hey, here's a young guy that will be around for a while, like, you need to call so-and-so. Yeah. I'll bet you only have one or two. You're You'll right. be pressed for two. You yep. probably have one that you're going to go, yeah, this dude right here, He's getting it, and he's he's on the up. But, like, there aren't those guys coming up in what we sell. That's the biggest problem. We sell other people's work, especially me as a GC. Sure. I sell the management of jobs that they don't have the time to management, and I pull in the right guys with the right experience and the right crafts and trades. Yep. Those are diminishing rapidly. Yep. There's, There's no doubt. Yeah, you brought up you brought up AI though. That's a that's a serious threat to mm-hmm. everything that we do. It's amazing. Have you played around with it? Uh, it's scary. It it's awesome. Me. I do my show descriptions. No, it and is. Stuff. It is amazing. It's so great. <laughs> but it's scary. You're really right? good. Oh, dude, no. Like, so there's one for YouTube. Like, after my show goes live, I might it posts on YouTube. I pay like eight dollars a year or something like that. Sixteen bucks. The automatic AI. That I would pay a guy overseas to sit and edit my show, do notes, timestamps. It gives me insight summary with timestamps. So if I say, Biz, we need to pull this clip, we can go push that. It does it in like 30 seconds. Gives me all that data. I can find that point where, hey, Randy, hey, I want Randy said something really good about teaching his kids this. I guarantee you, once I go through there, I can can find that timestamp. It was that. You know, an hour and 43 minutes, boom. Randy was talking about teaching his kids life lessons. It'll, it'll tell me that. I can grab that. We can do that versus us having to watch a two-hour episode. Right. Go back, get it. Same thing, I can plug those insights, and I can go to AI and chat GPT, and I can say, write me a compelling, interesting episode description based on these insights and this summary from the show, which I pulled from the AI from YouTube, Throw it in chat GPT and it writes something like I'm a damn Grammy award winning writer or something, you know, like I don't, it's I don't think nuts. that's correct. 
Grammy. Yeah, Grammys well, music. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what it is for writing. So, yeah, I, I went with but that. Th- but think about that for a second. That's insane. Think about that for a second. Without AI, before you're hiring somebody to do that, right? You're sending it to HR or, or something. Right. And uh, in the future, I think that's going to be what most people go to. No doubt. Yeah, you're going to have to learn so, how to implement it into so your life. I think, I think, you know, looking forward, I think, you know, from what I understand about AI is just those that know how to use it, right? I mean, unfortunately, it's going to replace a lot of jobs. Yeah, but it which, can't physical labor. It's never no, going to no, replace no. that. It, absolutely. 100%. So that's where the rub is, like. We're doing all this advancement on that end, um, but like we're not taking care of the lower end because those aren't sexy jobs. But I guarantee in the next five to 10 years, those are gonna be the sexy jobs because those are the guys that are gonna be getting $250 an hour to, are the, to do your high-end trim carpentry. Are the plumbers out there, were they sexy in 2021 around here? You damn right they were. I'll tell you what, my <laughs> plumber makes a shit ton of money. <laughs> And I know because my plumber, the main one I use, he was working with somebody else. And I told him about these plumbing jobs coming up. He started his business, brought it back up again. He's buying horses and cars <laughs> and shit. Well, they had the memes with the plumbers with the gold necklaces. <laughs> the, you guys, and yeah, and you guys made fun of me because, like, and this is funny. I showed up on a job in Midland, Odessa. This guy had a pair of boots on. And I was like, those, I mean, literally, I was getting calls nonstop that, like, hey, the plumbing is so bad, shit is overflowing in the streets. We're on the news. Ugh. And I'd have to get in my truck the next morning, drive down, have my plumbers there. <sighs> We're bidding repipes on these buildings, like five, six properties, right? right? It just hasn't been approved yet. So we're putting out fires, right? But it's on the news so like deal with it right now like we got to take care of this like this is done i show up on the job site my master plumber is wearing these fancy boots they got all these notches cut in the side they got a cross on the front look very exotic exotic and i'm like i'm in construction shoes yeah we're walking around in shit literally and i'm like that's really messed up man like you're wearing these really nice boots i got another pair He's like, oh, you like these? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he talked to my wife. Like, he ends up sending me a pair for Christmas. And I'm like, I can rock these. The guys at the shop, man, dude, they made fun of me so bad. They're like, nice, Come like, on. bedazzled boots, you know, blah, blah, blah. Can't you just get a pair of ostrich or, you know, blah, 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 snake skin, whatever. And I'm like, whatever. I, I think they look pretty cool. Yeah. I finally was up. The best was I went to California to see my little brother. When he was living out there, I start clowning on him because he's got long hair down to here. He's got a beard down to here. He looks like ZZ Top. He's wearing skinny jeans. Oh, boy. He's got a pickpocket, uh, a comb in his back pocket. Oh, boy. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> and he looks at me. He looks at my boots. And he goes, did Chris Angel have a garage sale? And I'm like... Damn, that was soft. I threw those boots in the trash after that trip. I did not wear those boots again after that trip. I was like, 
All right, touche, you little shit. You got me there. Right? That, that was legit. Chris <laughs> Angel Garage. You got to be careful who you bust on, hmm? right? We all know that lesson. Well, we all know. Like, I, if I don't bust on you, I probably don't like you no, a lot. Absolutely. If I don't give you a little bit of shit, I probably don't like yeah, you. Yeah, that, that's that's the fun of what we do. Yeah, we bust on each other. Yeah, you know. So. All right. Well, we're it. getting towards the end of the show here, so. I doubt you guys have watched many of my episodes. I've watched a few. I've I know you've watched a few, so you're probably a little more prepared for this than Mario is. I know Mario has not watched oh, my episodes. Oh, boy, Mario. I know Mario has not. Yeah, Don't even I'm do. not going to lie. All right. <laughs> so I get to ask you guys. Normally I have one question, but you guys both have kids, so I get to ask you two questions. Oh, boy. And we're going to start with Mario. Good. So, if you had one piece of advice, you got to, a little bit of common sense, you got to leave your kids today. What would that one piece of advice be? Yeah, that's not hard. That's not a hard question. It's easy. Um, you know, my I have a I have a twenty year old that's a she's just finished her sophomore year at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Guns up. Uh, oh no! Don't <laughs> stop. You don't have Patrick Mahomes. You can't talk about that no more. Good luck with all that. But, you know, I think, I think it starts, everything starts at the home, right? So I think as parents, the foundation you lay for your kids, right? Because I know some of these universities, how they can easily yeah. change your children or their thought processes and whatnot, but... I'll tell you, I, I just think that looking back and just watching her become a, a, a woman, uh, I think a lot of it's just basic, fundamental house. You know, if there's two parents and you're doing the best job you can, they watch you struggle, right? You go through the struggle, but you have a strong foundation, right? Yeah. You have faith. Got to have faith. Yep. Uh, that's important. Um, Honestly, there's not. I think it's pretty simple. But you got to leave him a piece of advice. You don't well, get to yeah, just skate but, off of that. No, but, no. but the, 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 for, for, for me. For easy for, question. For, no, for me, um, I think it comes down to what, what, how have I influenced this person, right? This is a young mind. What did I do to influence that young mind to prepare her for the next chapter of her life, right? And I think it comes down to... There's a pretty strong foundation, so when she gets hit with challenges, when we get hit with life, right, you're gonna get hit with life. Yeah. And the better prepared she is, I think it comes down to her foundation, right? It comes down to the foundation that that child has, and if they have that foundation where there's good, solid values, you know, we all have different values, and I respect everybody's values, but I do see that the folks that are better prepared to deal with, you know, being independent, going out to you know to go start their own lives a lot of times the only thing you have to hold on to are your values you know what are your values yeah and for me uh or for at least my kids it's some of the basic things that randy talked about it's like strong work ethic right you know no one's really born with talent sometimes (laughs) genetics do play a factor in that i mean i'm a short fat five foot seven you know <laughs> my son you know he was blessed with a little bit better genes because maybe my wife's side he's a little bigger kid but he's uh, a beast uh, like, uh, I, I would uh, I, I 
Blame the um, mailman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for a whole different episode. Now. <laughs> I, mean, I was working yeah. a lot during that time. Trust me. Yeah, asked, yeah he was gone I, a lot. I backtracked a lot going, God, where was His I? His kid's going to play college football. Like, he's a big boy. But, you know, it, it's funny because listening to them have conversations amongst themselves, I know some of the core values we've instilled in them. They have that. Yeah. So when they get hit with stuff, you know, they're going to draw back on some of those basic fundamental values. Absolutely. And I think, again, I'm going to say it's, hey, man, it's, it's things, there's, it's faith. And for my opinion, it's having a strong faith in something. We all got to believe in some type of higher power, right? right. We, we all got it. Yep. Family, right? How, how do you cherish your family? Yeah. Um, your friends, right? Yeah. You got to have friends. You got to have friends that, you know, are going to tell you what you don't want to hear sometimes because yeah. you have a lot of friends that are not your friends um and you know i think that prepares them for their next step or their journey in life and all you can do as a parent is hope that they make the best decisions based on the yeah. values they grew up with that's so true yeah. and I, you know what i say that all the time like i don't want the friend that's just gonna blow smoke up my oh ass God. like we all have those like you're not really a friend like if i'm if i'm messing up man like Tell, tell me, me. Like, tell I me. want my I want my good friend to pull me aside and be like, bro, what, what are, are you, doing? you doing? Like, hey man, like, or hey, you didn't handle that real well. You know, like my wife is real great at that. She's like, eh, you <laughs> might not have done that right. Like, can we talk about this? I'm like, give me, give me an, a little bit. Like, I need to just digest this. And I'm like, and then I come back. And I'm like, well, what did you mean? She's like, okay, like. You know, everybody needs that friend, that significant yep. other, that person to, like, be real with them and keep them in check a little bit. And I think, you know, just something as simple as them entering the workforce at an early age teaches them so much, right? When they get to go work in the yeah. workforce at 16, 17, 18, they're developing those skills, right? That, yeah. Hey, I, I got to have some social skills. I got to have people skills. I got to have some work ethic. Boy, that's gone you know, by the wayside. Uh, and yeah. I think that's missing a lot yeah. right now. And For sure. You know, it's um, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but I think those those values are, Yeah. again, I, I think it comes down stick, to that foundation. Stick to your values. I, I think that's a great one, Mario. Uh, you know, we, we instill that as a family. You know, we, we try to have a good schedule. The values that we, we're not perfect. You know, right. uh, I'm not perfect. My wife is not perfect. My wife is one that will call out. She calls it how she sees it. And your wife's a badass. She is, and she says. I don't know your wife, but I know his <laughs> wife. His wife's a badass. My wife is a badass, but she, you know, people appreciate. They don't appreciate it sometimes up front, no. yeah. but they do in the end. With Tasha, you get what you get. You get like, what she, you get. She's going to tell you exactly what she thinks. That's the same thing with my wife. Like, my wife is not going to hold back. Like, she... She's going to give God you, you want the people, business, she's going to give you the business. Yeah, God bless people that can do that. Uh, but That's the it. one thing that I think, you know, uh, that I want for my kids is to learn from your failures. Yeah. If you, everybody's going to fail. Everybody's going to fail at what you do. At, I, I almost failed at Bear early on in my career. I got checked. I got checked. And it was an eye-opener for me. Yeah. You know, I was doing the right thing, but it didn't seem like I was doing the right thing. Yeah. So, but learning from what's right and wrong, but learning from what people think if it's a failure. Yeah. I tell you, yeah. that will go a long, 
long way. Um, learning to fail, and what are you going to do with it the next time it comes up? So we're all we're all going to fail in life. It's what life's about. Yeah. But how are you going to learn from it? So absolutely, that's that's what common sense is all about. And that's, you know, that's what I hope this show brings to people is you sitting here li- listening to us share a cigar, have some bourbon, whatever. You get to hear about some of the ups and downs of what we went through, the advice we have or any certain person has, because that's from their experiences. That, that's from the ups and downs of life, and that's what put them where they are. And nobody just started out where they're at now. Like, no. They all went through trials and tribulations. They had to learn from those things. So That's right. All right. We're going to give him some time to think since he thought that one was so easy. I'm going to let you start this one off. Oh, boy. I, did, I thought You said two questions? Two questions. Oh, boy. Okay. Here we go. Mario gave us, like, the most profound, long one I've ever heard. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I'm a doer, so I'm going to like answer 30 this. 30-something episodes, Mario, Mario <laughs> hammered that one. So, yours is, it's common sense. Okay. We like for all our guests to share their two cents. It can be your two cents about literally anything. Like, just share some knowledge, share some whatever experience, like whatever you're inspired to say right now or, like, whatever you want to share. But, like, give our listeners some, like, real Randy Rivers two cents. Like, man, you can oh vent man. about whatever you want to. I mean, like, you can talk about how bad the Longhorns are going to suck this year. In I the would SEC love or, to talk about that. You know, whatever you really want to do. I would I mean, love go to talk about that. I don't... <laughs> Boy, that's a that's a good one. You you know you you put Mario on the spot on the first one. You put me on the spot on this one. Uh, my two cents for everyone out there that that's listening at this point. Um, you know, there comes a time where you think you know you got it licked, right? Life and something hits you in the face. Something hits you in the face that you didn't. You didn't anticipate. It's how you react to that. Yeah. I, w- I would say I read a book, um, and that was the one thing that I took from that book. And what, I would, a picture I would, book? It was a, yeah, there was no picture. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not a big reader. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, but uh, the one thing, you know, I said it earlier, you learn from your, your mistakes but when something hits you in the face that you don't really think that you're doing wrong and someone checks you, what are you going to do about it? Now, how are you going to react? Yeah. Mike Tyson said that, like, oh, yeah. it's all fine until you get punched, punched in the, the face. That, that's, 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 uh, it's so true. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, so for those out there that are going through something, whatever it is, and something that just whacks you in the face that that you really you're like wow i didn't even know that was me i didn't know that was me well how are you going to fix it what are you going to do how are you going to man up that's it and it it's about learning those lessons i think we talked a little bit about lessons could be a failure but being humble in that 100 percent. if you think that you're doing everything right and someone checks you you might want to listen yeah very well said. Thank you. Very well said. Mario, oh. it's your time. It's a tougher question here. This is a much tougher question. Look, you, you got us in touch but, with oh, our no, feelings. Oh, no, this is yeah, a tougher yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. 
I got I got to go back, and Randy's probably heard this because a few years ago I had to I had to get up and oh give a little bit of a speech in front of a our little speech. Company. Yeah, I think I held the record in time. You Mario gives little speeches. Is this <laughs> yeah. no. possible? So, I uh, I learned something. I was fortunate enough. I am a I love reading. I think I told you guys I love reading. I love reading mostly about our greatest generation, right? Greatest generation. Baby boomers? Absolutely. Jesus. Right? World, <laughs> World War II, right? The war, baby boomer. Um, but uh, for me, you know, I think the best thing I can give to anybody is, look, we, we all have different talents, skill sets, but it goes back to, look, I learned something from an old high school coach. It wasn't even my coach. He was an old football coach. Um, and uh, he had this saying. It was so simple, but it was so impactful. It was like, look, give it your all, right? Give it your all. Uh, all you can do is all you can do. And he just kept repeating that. And I was like, this guy is simple. He's a southern, just simple, but the words were just all you can do. And he just kept repeating that. All you can do is all you can do. All you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough, right? If you give it your all, right, that should be enough, right? All, all what we give, whatever we're putting out there, you know, if it's everything we've got, it should be enough, right? It should be enough. You should be able to feel like, hey, man. How do you know you gave it your all, though? That's a good question. Where, where do you where do you where do you draw the line? Like how how do you judge yourself then on like truly knowing you gave it your all? Because like you know I'm in the gym, I work out a lot better when I have like a partner with me. It's like I'm pushing myself just that much more. You know, you're comparing yourself to that other person, or but the, having that mentor or that goal, like to push some, yourself to that. Yeah, like sometimes it takes having another person, right? Sometimes it takes having another person, but because not everybody has that inner. No, they don't. That, that inner like fuck your bitch, like you know, like that fuck, fuck that. Like yeah. I'm gonna bring that extra out. Like <laughs> I really gave it 110. Like it's really easy to say I gave it 110. Did you really? Well, what was the work you put in prior to what you're doing? I think. Yeah. It's funny you say that, Mario, because my daughter, she's she's a runner. She's a good runner. And we didn't know she was a good runner until she ran. And I looked at her before one track meet, and I said, you're good is good enough. It is. And it's, she just stared at me like, um, how do you know, Dad? I'm like, because I've seen it. I've seen the work you put in. I think it goes back to yeah. what you do to get to where you're at. So... Um, I love that. Think, think about like just basic one-on-one management, right? So when you're managing a team and you look at your team and if you have someone that's giving it their all, right, their 100% is going to look different than yours. Sure. Yeah. Right? You have to manage those expectations, but just because their expectations may fall short, but if they're giving you 100% of what they got, yeah. got. you've got to manage that. You've got to say, hey, man. This is good. I appreciate yeah. that, right? You're not going to be a Rivers that's up here. His 100% oh up here, yeah. right? But maybe Mario's is down here, <laughs> but he's giving me everything he's got. I'll take yeah. that. I'll take that all day long because you know what? You need You, you know need you're every, getting the 100. I'd rather take everybody 
everybody at their hundred percent. At their hundred percent versus someone that's giving me. You can have the most talent, but like they say, man, talent ain't shit unless you live up to it, right? Yeah. You got to live up to it. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, so I, I think that means a lot to different people. I just to answer your question, I think it's just hey, man, you get up, you try to be the best person you possibly can be, and sometimes that's hard, right? Yeah. Being honest, being Having integrity, right? Being vulnerable, you're going to make mistakes. We're human, right? What humanizes somebody? I mean, I I love being human. I make mistakes all the freaking time. It's like, you know, people laugh at me and it's like, hey, man, (laughs) that's just who I am. Only when you do the mustache. (laughs) Yeah. The mustache wasn't a mistake. That was a a great feeling. But that was, I lost a bet to my my son. (laughs) I had to grow the Mario Brothers mustache handlebar because. I made a bet with him in first grade. I'm like, hey, you're playing this team in the Super Bowl. And I'm like, you guys have lost to them twice in the regular season. I go, if you, uh, if you guys win this game, I go, I will look like Mario Brothers for a full year. And uh, kid you not, man, he it's played probably his sharing. best <laughs> game. He played his best game that day. And I'm like, shh. He wanted to embarrass dad. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I got to look like Mario Brothers for the next year. <laughs> and I did. I, I held up my you, end of the bargain. You did, he and you did not reveal that until just now. <laughs> yeah, that's Well, awesome. it's pretty bad when people at, in our industry come up to you and say, hey, I heard you're giving out free mustache rides. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to close with that. Woo! <laughs> woo! But, uh, yeah, you just got to give it your all. You, I think, all right. Well, I love guys. It. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Common Sense. I hope you all learned something. I hope, I mean, you got a lot of years of wisdom over here speaking to you for two hours plus. This might be one of the longest episodes we've done. Biz is over here giving me the sleepy eye. But I appreciate all y'all tuning in. I hope you'll join us next week. We have another great one lined up for you guys, but... Enjoy the rest of your night. Peace. Peace out. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. you.